Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts, or mid-90s in this case, uh, and thereabouts. I'm Blake Fisher. I'm joined by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons. Uh, Today we're going to talk about the 1996 album by Weezer entitled Pinkerton, which is exciting. Uh, So we're glad you're here to listen with us. This could turn into a two-part kind of thing. I don't know. It depends how long we talk about this album. Uh, So we promise... We will split it in half into two episodes if it's too long. I don't know why that really matters because it's a podcast, but that's what we're going to do if it goes too long. So uh, this might be our first one that's like that because we just like this album a lot. So um, I don't have any funny reason to ask for a review. Guys, do you have any any good reason to that people should review and subscribe to our podcast? Any uh, you know insightful, maybe they get some sort of prize or there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow of uh subscriptions <laughs> the subscription rainbow a year a year in we're like hey we just don't really have uh, we they, got nothing reason they oh, could, nothing to they could win a prize that's why they could win a prize they could i think we might still owe someone a shirt from like doing <laughs> this oh, a year yeah. ago i'm not making promises about what prize they could win i'm saying they could win a prize if they gave us five stars they could it could yeah, happen. So possible. it could happen to you. It's an economy of scale thing. We need twelve people to win. Yep. Twelve shirts. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Screen pressing is just—it's through the roof right now. Just like the housing market. So it's crazy. Yeah, screen printing—it's crazy. Uh, shortage in uh, lumber and ink for shirts, <laughs> apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so as mentioned, we we're talking about Weezer's 1996 album, their sophomore album, and I did the research on this. And you know how sometimes we get on this podcast and we go, there's not really much information about this album. This album is different. Uh, there is a lot of information. Um, I think you get that when it's someone's sophomore album after a successful a successful first album. Um, so I'm not going to, I mean, I did a lot, I did kind of, go down a rabbit hole. I'm not going to go into the weeds because obviously you all could do that yourself if you wanted to, but I will touch on the more interesting pieces of information that I found about this album. So, um, if you, if you were not aware of the album that came before this, the, uh, self-titled and or now called the blue album, um, obviously that comes out, it's got some pretty big hits. It's a big record. Um, I think that kind of makes rivers Cuomo go crazy a little bit. And he decides, <laughs> yeah. he decides to go uh, to Harvard uh, and take a little break. And uh, I mean, the specific quote I saw was about how when you reach that level of success as a band, and so many of the people in the crowd are like college dudes that just really like Buddy Holly, and they maybe didn't even have the record, or you know, it was just a different vibe than they liked. You know, they had a lot of really cool, loyal fans, but then they had this like onslaught of kind of meatheads I guess and stuff just you know you're people that like pop music they don't really care that much they like the song um anyway that can be kind of weird um I'm sure as an artist and so he decides he's going to go to Harvard he also has I didn't know this was the surgery he had leg extension surgery what which sounds terrible it's like pins and stuff and he's in bed and for a long time he's in severe pain for like a year on so the be, recovery of this. To be taller? Am I, am I being No, I think, I think it's one leg. I think ah, he had one leg that was shorter than the other one. Like, so it was a problem, you know, for lots of other things, you know, that that would cause. I'm sure that causes then back problems and general walking an, problems. Un, an and, unintentional pimp limp. 
Yeah. And so yeah. he so he has a surgery and he's in school and he's older than most of the people that he's in school with. Uh and I and so it that and also he's famous a little bit. Yeah. So that's and probably a celebrity. he's also in a giant rock band. Um and so this album uh the writing of this album, a lot of it is, you know, he's bedridden or in a ton of pain. Um, an interesting thing uh that I read was like he couldn't like get he wasn't playing guitar like he normally did, so he like all of his parts are in kind of first position for guitar, like kind of down at the bottom of the neck or whatever, because he couldn't really do the other stuff without a bunch of pain. Um and I think it was a little harder to figure out guitar parts for that reason, because he's a pretty great guitar player but i guess yeah. in the writing of stuff it was a little harder um and he also said that like most of the vocals he cut he was in actual like real physical pain <laughs> as well as like singing his heart out about these things that he wow. really felt and so like he's he's like i really you know later on he was like i really like my vocal performance but um i think he wished it was a little higher in the mix now mm. uh which was always my biggest complaint about this album was um was like you know his vocals are kind of buried sometimes yep uh, but yeah, there's. He was like, I think being in physical pain is actually a, a maybe it helps the vocal performance a little it bit. It works. <laughs> it works. Do it more. <laughs> yeah. Like, not that you'd suggest uh, such a thing to have like a leg surgery um, to do so, but uh, so that was kind of uh, interesting. So basically, what they did was like, uh, so this released September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety six, but in nineteen ninety five. He's at Harvard, and I think they start recording it. They go back to the same studio. They go back to, um, oh gosh, what's it called? I wrote it down somewhere here. Uh, Electric Lady Studios, which is where they did the Blue Album. Spent two weeks there uh, and did, basically, they wrote and recorded this album in order. So when we, we were always talking about track order, this essentially is in the order he wrote them and recorded them. Uh, so the first half of the album, basically, That's pretty cool. first First four songs is Electric uh, Electric Lady Studios, which is in uh, New York, I think. Um, and then Christmas break, they go to Sound City for two weeks because he's in school. He's at Harvard. Uh, and they do basically the next four songs on the record. Um, and they had a couple extra songs, too, that didn't make the cut. But uh, And then they spend his spring break at uh, Sound City as well, which is out in L.A., closed now, unfortunately. But the famed like, Sound City were like Nirvana and obviously this album and, gosh, uh, Tom Petty, tons, tons of stuff. Stevie Nicks. I mean, it was like one of the famous. And it's where that's the place where like Dave Grohl bought that board and now has that Neve board that like all these crazy albums got recorded on. Uh, it was all tape. They never went to digital. So. Hey, cool correct studio. me if I'm wrong. Uh, Harvard, pretty good school, yeah. Yes, they call it an Ivy League school, I believe. Ah. Uh, for smart people. Uh, don't take don't take the bait when when I, you ask somebody where they go to school. They're like, oh, it's in Boston. I'm like, oh, cool. There's a lot of schools there. That's good for you. Good. Yeah, where do you go? Yeah. Good for cool you. Place. Not asking. I'm not, <laughs> not going to let you say Harvard. Uh, I won't give you. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so they record this album basically on his breaks from school. Uh, so basically a total of five weeks in the studio, uh, they make this album, which is interesting too, because at some points it sounds like they might've spent less than five weeks as far as like production quality. They self-produce it. So they don't go back to Rick from, uh, from the cars that did the first album and then other albums after that. But uh, so they self-produce it. I think that that was probably its biggest downfall was that like, I think Rivers was again, a, maybe a little bit 
controlling of the situation and didn't let like the label help. Didn't want to do any traditional videos for it. Uh, Spike Jones, I think suggested like had a take for El Scorcho. They didn't want to do it. Like they were, he was like way too worried about like the video taking away from the song meaning to him and like maybe then changing the meaning of something. Mm. And so they basically didn't want to do what they did. What gave them all the success from the blue album. They didn't want to do. Um, and, you know, I, I can understand a little bit where they're coming from, but it does feel a little bit like a suicide mission because it's like, okay, you're not going to do videos, you don't want to release singles, and you wonder why it doesn't end up doing that well. And, you know, that's kind of it. So, refused to do normal video tra- treatment. Songs are in the kind of order he wrote them, and, it, like, the inspiration for this was... Uh, the the opera Madame Butterfly, which is about an American sailor who marries a teenage Japanese girl, impregnates her, and then leaves basically back for the States, marries another American woman, and comes back, and when she finds out, she kills herself. So super happy, fun time <laughs> thing. But her name is Butterfly in the thing, therefore the butterfly at the end of this album, and therefore ah. Pinkerton is also the antagonist in the play, or in the opera, and that's why it's named Pinkerton. So this whole thing is kind of like his version of of uh of that and it was originally going to be this like sci-fi rock opera and they kind of dialed it back as all people do uh when they try to do a rock opera uh it always ends up being the first two songs are and then uh never mind we just wrote the rest of an album um so yeah um that's kind of the history of of making it uh the the interesting stuff about after it's made and released is that basically everyone hates it <laughs> it's like rolling stone I mean, basically there was no one that was saying this is the album like i think rolling stones readers dubbed it the third worst record of the year <laughs> which i'm like what are the other two i've got to right. know uh and rolling stone like kind of famously like 20 years later like revised their rating from i think they had two out of five stars and then like now it's five out of five and it's in it's in every list of these emo lists, which was always really interesting to me when kind of emo comes about in the in the 2000s because this gets thrown on the list and I just never thought of Weezer as like in that vein. But I think the thing that solidified that for everyone, and we can discuss this, but obviously lyrically it's totally different than the Blue Album. And, Bit of a departure, and, yes. You know, it's obviously a little darker. It's a little, it's like honest enough at some points where you're like, ooh, but you're not supposed to ooh. say that part out loud, ooh. even though <laughs> maybe lots of people ooh. think that. Um, but that's what he wanted to do. And then obviously because it gets so just like thoroughly rejected, um, he basically is like, I'm never going to do that again. And that's why we get the Green Album after this. That's basically like, fine, you want polished pop music? I'll give you polished pop music. We can do that too. And you don't really ever get, I feel like you don't really get a personal Weezer record after that. Although, I do feel a little bit like this OK Human one that they just released with like the all acoustic and orchestra and stuff is like, yeah. I'm like, OK, this feels a little bit more, you know, but maybe it took a worldwide pandemic for that to happen. Uh, so anyway, that that's kind of like, it basically gets panned, but it's every band's favorite album. Essentially, if you're in a band at that time, so Jimmy World and and all these bands are heavily influenced by Pinkerton specifically. So it becomes kind of like what Clarity did with Jimmy World. It's like not necessarily the commercially successful one, although it did eventually. It took 20 years, but it did go platinum in 2016. (laughs) So, you know, I think that's obviously a, you know, a, a marker for its 
endurance if like you slowly go platinum over the course of 20 years like most albums if they don't do well they just don't ever do well yeah there's not a lot it's normally like a big spike and then tapers off or something or if you're lucky enough to get to release on vinyl and then cd you get like you know double the music sales or whatever like all the people from the 70s did but uh that wasn't happening over from 1996 to 2016 like record sales weren't going up and so i think that's impressive uh that it eventually goes platinum um and now every everyone's got it on their list of of the best albums from back then and most people regard it as their best album too so it proves that people don't know what they're talking about in the moment sometimes um hardly ever (laughs) hardly ever and so you know the well i think we'll talk more about like the controversies of it later but you know there are a lot of people that thought i think I don't think they said this then because it was the 90s, but now everyone's like, oh, he's all the ist. He's sexist. He's racist. He's blah, 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 blah. Um, so we can talk more about that. I think that that's silly to do in art, but, you know, uh, people can have their opinions. They're entitled to them. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the history of the album. And obviously there's a ton of other stuff. I just thought those were the most interesting points to talk about so uh i think we should talk about kind of our first impressions um oh by the way it's on geffen records don't know if that matters to you all at all but that's a big label and obviously there was some tension there between what geffen wanted to do with it because they've just had this super successful first album from this band and all they want to do is like continue that success and i don't think they were trying to tell them like you got to dial it back i think they were just like can we do a music video? Yeah. For it? yeah. Like, <laughs> like, Hey, we get it. Like you have your vision for it. Like we just, th- there's some like basic stuff we do with music and we'd like to do it with your album, please. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, let us do the things that we know how to do. Like, you know, like, and it's not like it's Spike Jones coming to do a video for them who did their other videos. It's not like, you know, yeah. Yeah. We're not trying to like, it's not some make hack. Like a, movie like the bodyguard with you with river starring in it uh, you know like it's yeah th- this is spike jones who does jackass like yeah we'll have fun with it <laughs> it's i promise be... like um so oh, i, I wanna, think that i want to live in the alternative universe where that video came out i yeah. know <laughs> and, and i think that um i think the weird and we'll talk more about this as we go but i mean i think there's such a clear like Blue album to Pinkerton, and then everything that ha- they take like a five year hiatus after that. So there's like five years between Pinkerton and Green album happening, uh, and uh, Matt leaves the band in-, in that meantime. And so, you know, you've got some obviously turmoil from from making those decisions and stuff. Oh, and like he was like also like he had like painted all his walls and ceiling black, like put fiberglass insulation in the windows. Like he just he's really not taking the fame thing well, <laughs> I don't think, or, or any of the things that came with it. So, um, so I think you end up with this really honest album, uh, and, and kind of saying exactly what he feels like at the time, even if it's not, you know, like I said, maybe even if it's a little cringy, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but, and we'll talk more about that as we get into the song. So what was your, so let's go to Chris first. Like what was your intro to Weezer and, or this album both, I guess, since this is the first one we're doing up there. I mean, Weezer was just me being crazy about MTV and turning it on every day when I got home from school. And I remember the first time I heard, um, oh my God, like Buddy Holly. No, Undone. Undone. <laughs> Undone. Yeah. Sorry, I could. I had complete brain fart right there. 
um, I was on my way to the golf course with my dad. I remember we were going to go golf. Like he had just got me golf clubs. I know it's such a weird memory, but I remember hearing that song and I was like, what is this? It was, it was so weird and different and um, really cool. And so of course, you know, BMG, I was ready to go that next, that next round. I was like, Oh, I know I want that Weezer album. Um, so I got into oh, them. the CD clubs. I've totally forgotten about those. Yeah, man. You just tape. Remember you glue the penny or tape. Oh it? yeah. That was a weird Such a gimmick. marketing trick. Yeah. Such a weird gimmick. Like, do you um, really need this penny? <laughs> There's no way you're actually like, well, we added all the pennies up and got a little got extra it. profit bonuses for everyone. Um, but maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was blown away by Weezer. I, I absolutely loved him. Plus it was another album I bought where I listened to all the songs. And that was something that was kind of new and different to me in the nineties. Not all albums were that way back then. Ooh, no. Yeah. We were, we were cranking out sometimes one good song on an album in the nineties yeah. Yeah. and riding that wave to a bunch of CD sales. So, um, so the weird thing is though, is I get really into punk rock and by the time, by the time Pinkerton comes out, like I'm, I'm not super interested in Weezer anymore. Yeah. So I didn't really like listen to this album for the first time till 2000 till after high school. Um, when JT and Danny, Danny, who is in uh, me and Blake's band, uh, played it for me and was like, you've never listened to this record. And I was like, I just heard it wasn't that good, you know? And yeah, I'd never heard anything great about it. So then they played it for me. And of course I was like, this is really good. Like, why did I not know about this? Um, so yeah. And then it just became part of my regular rotation ever since then. Um, it, it was just a little too raw, I guess. I, I, Maybe maybe in '96 I even did listen to it. I just have no memory yeah. of like actually listening to this record until after high school. And and it should be noted, um, Chris and I are in a Weezer cover band named Tweezer. So like we're not Scrubs on the they, Weezer catalog. They, these guys know what's we, up. We know how to play all these songs. <laughs> we do. Uh, slow, barely uh, on some of them, but uh, yeah. So we're we're fans. Kyle, what about you? What was your you know, intro to the band and or this album. Uh, intro to the band, Blue Album. But I can tell you guys, I have a, also have a very vivid memory about this record because stupid blockbuster music or where, you know, depending on where you live, Hastings or whatever else, um, they put a parental advisory sticker on Pinkerton and... So, because I think of El Scorcho, it wasn't, it didn't belong on there. Like it wasn't there, but they, they like put added a it. sticker. Yes. Okay. They put a sticker on there and <laughs> that's not my right. mom wouldn't buy it for me. Right. And so I had, I had this VHS tape of a midget, a little person, excuse me, a little person, <laughs> Um, Western, it was an all little person cast called Terror in Tiny Town. And I, it's a real thing. This is real. Link Wait, it in the show story notes. story just took a left turn I did not expect. No. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> and, and I traded a kid named Steven that I was in class with. I traded him Terror in Tiny Town for Pinkerton. That's how I got my hands on a copy. 
That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I Sorry, I just have a follow-up question about the movie. Was it a long movie? It was like 45 minutes? Did they have a whole hour and a half? Like, was the plot compelling? Uh, I want to say action? that it was like, it, at most, it was an hour. It was black and white. It had like little person, uh, like everything that was in a Western. They rode was around it, on Shetland ponies. Was it um, old? Yeah. It was like an yeah. old movie. Yes. I love it too. This is a great time in life where, like, if you had one copy of a movie, that was the only copy. Like, you couldn't just yeah. like make a copy of it. Well, honestly, I'd be willing to bet that that's probably worth something now. <laughs> like, <laughs> to I someone, probably, I pro, I probably gave him like just this precious heirloom, but I wanted to get my hands on Pinkerton, and so I gave him, I gave him my treasure. You know, I don't know that's why how trades work, guys. It's yeah, it's no. it's a uh, perceived value, you know. Why do I ever go after you, Kyle? This is a terrible. My my introduction to Weezer is going to be so boring after this. Well, well, went to, went to Best Buy, bought it, listened to it. So, so then you like? Did you like it immediately, or what were you, what were your initial impressions? So honestly, I loved Blue Album so much. Um, initially, I was disappointed, and it probably took me. I don't know. I mean, I would I'd imagine probably around the same time as Chris sounds like like it probably took me a few good years before coming back to Pinkerton because Steve the the drummer in in the band I played in Steve was like we would rock Weezer and he's like dude yeah you got to listen to Pinkerton again and and all of the things that I think I prob I don't remember disliking Pinkerton it just didn't take the first time and so yeah, I think that's when, fair. When I gave yeah. when I gave it time and came back to it, all of those things that I'd be willing to bet are why they it didn't take at the time. Man, I was ready for it when I when I revisited it. Like, um, I I will not get any further ahead of myself, but I will say this: this album to me, even now, is like just barely controlled chaos, and I <laughs> love that. Yes, yeah, um, it, that, so. that's a good way to describe it. So mine's not as interesting. I, I'm a little younger than Chris and Kyle and slightly better looking. Uh, just kidding. You're exactly uh, <laughs> younger than me, than you I are. I am. Chris. I'm a little younger. Uh, and so, um, yeah, yeah by, the minute. Exact, by the exact same amount. Um, but the, so I didn't, you know, I'm in, when the blue album comes out, I'm in elementary school. And so I'm not buying albums when I'm in elementary school. And I you knew weren't ready. I knew Weezer was a thing. I li- I heard the singles. I did like their songs and stuff like that. But it was like it was like everything else on MTV. I didn't I didn't own albums at that point. So then it's like probably not until my f- it and then but then you kind of skip because like Pinkerton did not make a splash. Like I didn't know it existed when I was in middle school and buying music. I mean I was buying plenty of music in ninety six, ninety seven, that kind of range. But it was not on my radar enough so that then I probably bought it in like 98 or 99. It's probably 98. It's probably my freshman year. And I kind of, I bought both of them at the same time. I was like, I need to own these albums. So I bought that and Pinkerton and I literally thought Pinkerton was their first album and blue album was their second album because of the way they sound like it. (laughs) Pinkerton sounds like the endearing, like, you know, and, and that's the point where I'm getting music. And if I like a band, I'm going all in and buying everything I can of that band. So like Jimmy Eat World, I do it right. with them. I buy the you know the singles little compilation, and I'm trying to get my hand on anything I can find or download of Jimmy Eat World. And same thing, it's like some of it's old and it doesn't sound as good, but I'm still into it. And I'm kind of doing that here. And I literally, I remember the thing, the vivid memory that I remember is you know having them both and thinking that Pinkerton was older, and then figuring that out that it wasn't. 
and keep in mind, and that's how little of a splash it made in pop culture in 96 when it came out because there was no video because they're, you know, the scene, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird thing. Um, they canceled their tour because, um, basically I forgot to mention that part. Like, I think it's 97. So this comes out in September 96. I think in 90, like less than a year after it comes out is when the, the sisters die, Michael and Carly that are like big fan. And that was, they basically said they fulfilled all their contractual obligations and didn't do anything else after that for five years. So they didn't even like have the promo machine of touring and stuff with it. And so I literally didn't know it existed. So, um, that's kind of weird, but I did immediately like it, but it was, but I can see how if you had blue album first and then went to this, it would be kind of just such a like head turn. But because I was listening to the full albums at the same time, essentially it didn't rock my world as much like in a bad way. It didn't make me go like, Oh, that turns me off. Um, but the production was always kind of controlled chaos is barely controlled chaos is a great way to explain barely, it. Right. Cause I always say that I think choosing to self-produce is not a great move. Like I think that you can end up, even if you have a lot of skills in the studio, which I don't think that any of these guys did at the time. I mean, they have lots of musical skills, but I don't think they're like recording engineers or anything. Um, man. And, and, and basically also keep in mind, if he's telling the label, no, we're not going to do a video and things like that. You got to think he's being stubborn as crap in the studio too. And like not even letting the engineers get a good kick drum sound. Cause he's just like, no, that's good enough. Like, or make it trashier or whatever. I don't know what right. was happening in there, but like somehow and blue album. It's so funny. I see people talking about it. Like it was this pristine, uh, production and like, it's between grunge. Like it's not as grungy as everything else was at the time, but like, it's not as clean as like cars albums, like as far as Rick Ocasek oh, or no, like, not or, even close. or the green album that comes in 2001 or really any of the other Weezer stuff that comes after it. It's not like overproduced at all. Like it still feels like a raw band. Um, but you know, like vocals are dubbed and stuff like that. And, and they, they definitely did like a, uh, I know they like basically recorded the, the lead vocal and the background vocals at the same time. Like, like all three of them around mics and stuff for Pinkerton. It's just a different feel. They did both live, right? Am I if I remember that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they did. Yeah, but I like I don't think there's even clicks on Pinkerton. Like, okay, okay. You know so what I mean? They, like, they, it's they like it's like it's really loose. But it, it they still like added parts later. Like it wasn't like okay, yeah, that's they were, the performance. A yeah, lot okay. of overdubs and vocals okay. are doubled and stuff like that on the Blue Album and just production stuff that's there that's not there on this one, um, which adds to its charm. But I want like I also want to know like. I, I, I read an interesting thing where they were like, would you ever consider doing like an okay human treatment of Pinkerton with like an orchestra? And I was like, that would be cool to hear like, Oh, let's actually, I don't know, spend some more time on this stuff. Cause that's definitely the thing that bums me out a little bit is like the production is a little, but it's a great album. Like the songs are great. Yep. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't understand how you could hear this album and trash it the way people were doing in 1996. I can see like the production being a little bit, you know, like, okay, that's, that's weird. Or, um, I don't know. I just can't see how you could hear these songs and think they were just garbage. Like, cause I, I remember immediately being like, Oh, these songs are pretty good. Um, and you know, I was a teenager, I realized, but, 
and it's not like I was blinded by some Weezer fandom or something at the time. Like I, as I mentioned, they were kind of peripheral to my stuff at the time, but now I'm a huge Weezer fan. And obviously those two albums kind of sealed the deal for me. Um, but that's me. So I was a little late to the game, probably 98 or something that, that I get that get both albums and really can appreciate their, their fullness. And so, um, that's not as, uh, as good as Kyle's story. So, uh, apologies, <laughs> but, um, pretty good. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot that we can talk about. And I think we'll probably just jump into the track by track and then spend time talking about the specific things. But do you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we kick in the track by track? I, I have a question that yes. maybe you guys know. Like, I, I, I specifically remember hearing like rumors that uh, Rivers had lost his mind and mm-hmm. like he, they recorded the second album and then he burnt all the tapes. Like, it, you heard anything about that? Is that, is that real? Is that legend? I don't think that's real. I think that's just legend or something. No, I mean, I think he really was pretty mentally not okay at the time for not in a good place like he's a weird guy anyway for sure like he's an eccentric artist like that's what he is but like this was different obviously the surgery the school the fame the like all that kind of stuff tired of sex was actually written before uh like he wrote that song earlier like i think that was written in blue kind of timeline what you're saying is his life his life was kind his life was kind of really crazy enough that he, there doesn't need to be a fake. Yeah, <laughs> right. Fake. Reality yeah, it doesn't. Crazy crazy yeah. Thing. Reality yeah. was weird enough, and so he just ends up writing this like super honest, like, um, you know, I I read a thing, a quote from Justin Pierre from Motion City that was like, "This is like my all time favorite album," and it makes all the sense in the world why you end up with his lyrics after the influence of Pinkerton because like the kind of honesty and stuff that's there um, and kind of self-deprecating in a, in a real way, not in like a, Oh, please compliment me kind of way. But um, anyway, it's just, it's so interesting to me that so many bands really liked it and that, but I can see why it's not commercially successful. Like I said, it didn't blip on my radar at a time when music was a pretty big thing um, in middle school and stuff. Yes. I, I, that's what it's weird to me. Like, uh, you know, I wasn't really into the internet. I don't think yet. Not, not by no, then, I no. wasn't, I didn't have the internet in 96. So if sure. I didn't have a friend that was listening to this record and told me about it and, yeah. it, and there was no video on MTV, like I might just not have known it came out. I mean, I literally <laughs> think that I literally think that's what happened with me. Yeah. I mean, I literally think that I, I did not have, and I had friends that I know had the blue album at the time. Like I had friends in elementary school that had the blue album and I, I had heard it you know, at their house and stuff like that. I don't think they had Pinkerton when yeah. we, of course they were probably more into like smashing pumpkins at that point. You know, everyone kind of went a little harder. Um, you know, it was well, that, little... that, that, that year was Bush smashing pumpkins. Yep. Like yep. things were getting a, a little gnarly, a... but that was all also very polished, like really good looking, like lead singer guys. And... Well, not, hey, not but... in the case of smashing pumpkins, but Bush. Yeah. <laughs> I, I may be Billy point. Corgan's a weird looking dude. Ah! <laughs> I, I, I may be alone on this, but, uh, Another another weird album from a very popular band came out that year. Uh, I was looking at this today, but uh, STP's Tiny Music came out in '96, yeah. and I love love that album. Yeah, and stuff went a little harder that that year. I feel like because I remember feeling really weird liking the Wallflowers album when it came out yeah. in '96 or '97. Yeah, that was a low I, key like. 
I like yeah, it. I was like, I really like this album <laughs> this and everyone cool. and everyone else liked way heavier stuff than I did, all my friends. And so but I don't remember Weezer being on like I said, it, I don't think that any of my friends in middle school knew that it existed, maybe. It also Did, wouldn't surprise me at all to find out that like because he wasn't playing along, the label was just like fine. You know, like you 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 don't wanna you don't wanna record a music video, we're just gonna tell everyone you're crazy. And, <laughs> these, and Rolling Stone's gonna give you two stars, buddy. Well, off the record, he went completely insane. <laughs> Burn the whole album. <laughs> yeah, no, I never read anything about him burning the album. There were two songs that they cut from it. Um, he burned them. Yeah, he burned. He might have burned those ones. Maybe I've never yeah. heard them, so we'll, we could say maybe he burned those too. Um, but no, I mean it definitely sounds like he was going through some stuff for sure. But I do just wonder, like, like there's some sort of alternate universe where that album is successful. And like, what version of Weezer do we get after if, if that happened as opposed to what happened, you know what I mean? Like, that's, I don't know. That's a weird fork in the road for them. And I just wonder like, what comes next? I'm like, you know, the green album does not exist. If that, if Pinkerton's a commercial success too. Um, I don't know. It's like a weird thing to think about. And, um, and it, it sucks a little bit too, because you he kind of goes, okay, well, you guys kind of hated it. And he hated, by the way, he hated it. Like in 2001, he hated this album. He thought it was like a, like, like a, a curse. And like, he thought it was terrible. And like, it was kind of this bad, I don't know, like this chain albatross around him or something like that, that he couldn't get rid of. And like, he hated it. And then like, I read an interview in like 2008 with him that was like, he'd come around to it. He's like, I really, I'm, I really like it. I'm proud of it. But like, there was a part where I was like, he had all these self doubts too. Eventually like, why did we self produce it? Why did we not, you know, kind of do some of this other stuff? Uh, Cause it just got trashed. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, some albums come out and the critics all love it. Or, and- or do they like, it's not it's not as good as Blue Album, but it's all right. But it's pretty good, yeah. They but they like, trashed it. Crap sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they literally Sandwiches. called it a crap sandwich. And, uh, and you know, and then all had to, like, retract their stuff 20 years later. Um, and so, yeah, that's got to be a really weird thing. You make one thing, and you feel like, oh, we made Blue Album, and people ended up liking it for something that we didn't feel like we were, you know, which is like, Oh, they make funny, they're kind of quirky and funny video stuff. And like, that wasn't what they were trying to be. And, and like, and so then you go to Pinkerton and then it gets trashed too. And you're like, and not that Blue Album got trashed, right, you just right. got like a different kind of success than maybe they they thought they wanted with it and they, people were interpreting it a different way. They so, opened up and they opened up their hearts and revealed their souls. And then people called it crap sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. that's got to be really hard because I mean, Truth be told, I've never written a lyric as honest as anything on this record, for sure. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to be totally honest. Like, I'm always kind of obscuring things or like, oh, this song is based on one kind of lyric I thought of and then I built the rest of the song around it or this never happened to me or it did but barely. You know, and he's writing like this, like, you know, you can tell he's essentially, if you then know all this stuff about him, you're like, oh, this, it's even more weighty. It's the same thing like we talked about on the Motion City soundtrack album that we did. It's like, okay, you know, he's really going through some real like substance abuse and kind of depression and stuff. And, and that makes it more, um, I don't know. It just makes you appreciate it more, but it sucks that then people poo poo on it and you're like, (laughs) and it's like, he's burying his soul. Yeah. So that kind of sucks. So, all right, well let's go. Oh, so 
Um, let's read that quote, by the way, because I did write it down. So in 2001, this is an Entertainment Weekly, so I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, he said, it's a hideous record. It was such a hugely painful mistake that happened in front of hundreds of thousands of people and continues to happen on a grander and grander scale and just won't go away. It's like getting really drunk at a party and spilling your guts in front of everyone and feeling incredibly great and cathartic about it. And then you wake up the next morning and realizing what a complete fool you made of yourself. Wow. You know, that's pretty lame. That's that's pretty deep. And what what sucks is that, like, it's probably because he's saying this in 2001 as people are starting to appreciate Pinkerton, I feel like. Uh, Some people, you know, because, I mean, like most we're all on board at that point. We've we've started a Weezer cover band two years after 2001. So, I mean, that's like how not far away they really are from that album. Uh, But, yeah, by 2008, he's into it. So he came around to his own album. Uh, that's also so weird to me when people don't like when an artist thinks their their thing is crap and I love it. That's always a really weird thing. That I've I've heard a few bands do that. They were like where they really don't like a record, and I'm like that might be my favorite record of yours. It's just interesting how that happens um, when you're I guess the person writing the song. So okay, let's jump into album discussions of track by track. Um, should be a lot of fun. Uh, a pretty quick album. Obviously, it's like 30 minutes long. Uh, let's get started with track one, which is Tired of Sex. I mean, the truth is, on every one of these tracks, I want to play the whole song because it's so hard to find a good 30 second clip. Um, and Chris is air drumming to it, of course, because he knows all the drum parts because we learn these songs. Uh, pretty good opening track, fellas. Kyle, what are your thoughts on Tired of Sex? Uh, I love it. It's freaking ju- the guitar tone is so nasty. Those drums sound disgusting in the best way. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're filthy, right. disgusting, like, just dirty. And actually, I was last week years old before <laughs> I knew he wasn't saying Monday night. I'm banging Jen. <laughs> I always thought he was saying banging. I don't know why. I just read the name "Tired of Sex," and so I'm like, oh yeah, he's talking about banging people. I can no, see why you. He's making. He's yeah. making. So uh, yeah. Um, it's it's weird, you know. I I heard. I guess I heard what I wanted to hear, guys. We're clearly noisier. I think you're right. We're we've got more overdrive on everything. We're definitely a departure, and that guitar solo for me is is the departure from because um, the guitar work is cool on Blue, but there's not a freaking ripping solo like is in this uh, bridge here. I mean, it's awesome. Um, so I'm I'm into this sound, but yeah, and and. It's also interesting then listening to because they re- we recorded essentially in the order of the album. You know, we know that like these first four tracks are in New York, and to like hear it evolve a little bit as the album goes on is interesting. Right. But man, it's a good first track, and it's uh, as I mentioned earlier, they they had written this one earlier. This was actually before I think they wrote this in kind of blue sessions or thereabouts. Uh, so it wasn't during the. 
it was just during the groupie sex. It wasn't during the leg extension surgery, depression, uh, <laughs> post blue, apparently. <laughs> um, but a good first track and a good first track lyrically for what comes for the rest of the album. of just like, Hey man, this is not fulfilling. And he wants love. How sweet, but, uh, good first track. I like it. Um, uh, synth line, which I like synthesizer yeah. in it. Really fun. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on the first track? You guys said it. I, 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 the, the boldness, since you guys talked about the musical qualities of what makes this song so great, I just want to tie, talk about, you know, coming in on your second album, like the third line being, I'm tired of having sex. Cause you know, this is the nineties and everybody like boys to men, all the bands, like we don't say sex. We like we make love. love. We're sweet on each other. Like you know, like everyone just like beats around. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh, you will! <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> that was not on purpose. Uh, that was not good. No, it was. It was kind of like everywhere, though. I mean, you know, like it was like yes, it was. It wasn't like maybe it is now. Uh, but but got, it was all but in this co- coded language. Yeah, like with metaphors and right. Like he yeah. was just like. I don't know, man. It's, it's it's a baller move, and um, he just puts himself out there. I really like it. And yes, nasty, growly, icky, yep, drums. The guitar solo on the uh, that you played, you know, channeling some feels to me a little bit like they're channeling some some Nirvana vibes, and they always had a fondness for that band. So not shocking well, yeah, for at all. Sure. And they did um, half. They did half this record at the studio. They did Nevermind and another record there too i think they um, should have had maybe butch vig could have come in like hey can you guys just uh, butch vig would be a fantastic producer for them actually what's weird is that i don't love butch vig's production it's not my he's not my favorite producer but i think he would fit really well with weezer actually uh, i think it would work really well and i think it could have been helpful uh, yeah <laughs> a thing i would like to mention because i just love that they stuck with it was like the bass and the drum are completely locked in as far as like there is and on every bass note strum, there is a kick or a snare. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, it's like it, for the first verse and chorus, like it doesn't stray from that until he starts doing some fills. Um, and I kind of like how freaking just locked in they were. Um, and the good rhythm section, which helps glue this a little bit together. Because I think if you didn't have that on this album, it would be a, a total train wreck. Like, I don't think it would work. But because they're pretty good like we're solid we're good the guitars can be a little messier and sloppier uh thanks to the rhythm section uh pat holding it down matt Matt pat Pat. holding it down um okay let's go to track two which is get you Chris Monier, what are your thoughts on the second track? Get you. A dark, dark song. I mean, very, uh, you know, Tired of Sex has got kind of a melancholy attitude about the the lyrics, but the song itself is, you know, it feels good. It, it's uh, bouncy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this was a little, 
I mean, it's got uh, a synth line for the hook. So, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's bouncy. This one's a little uh, deeper. And then, I don't know, this is when, like, things get really weird in this song, like, right right off the bat. I mean, right off the bat for the album. Like, the, all the drum work after the guitar solo, how he's just, like, going insane with all those fills and everything. And it doesn't... It's awesome, though. Oh, it's awesome. But it doesn't fit the idea of, like, how you would make a pop record. And it doesn't... No. Doesn't, but yeah. do you know um, what I like about it, though, is that I feel like... Pat was very reserved on the blue album. Yes. There's still some stuff that's like, like that kick stuff he's doing. It's not easy on like undone. But and, it was a joke. And, like when, when we were playing songs at that age, like we would joke like, Oh, just do the Weezer thing. Like that, yeah. that was what, yeah, just, it was just ACDC man. Just gunk, gunk, but gunk. he is all over the place on this record <laughs> and doing some like crazy fills where I'm like, dude, the guy's got real chops and he's really, you know, he's just dialing it back most of the time because this is like pop rock. You know, it's it's rock and roll. But like, yeah, you're right. The That drum solo after that drum fill, it's pretty long fill. It's almost solo-ish because it's like two bars or whatever. But um, yeah, after that solo is awesome. And it's a great intro. I think it's a perfect second track, by the way. We always talk about second tracks too. And I love, like, it's got a great intro. It's a little darker, you know, and I just feel like it's the right, takes us up the right step after tired of sex uh kyle what are your thoughts on get you i agree it is a great second track i love that guitar part on the chorus the dun 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 you know like the yeah. the kind of got that bounce to it um i love the guitar tone it's still dirty and uh, i mean I'm, I'm digging it uh i guess if i have another thing i really like you you said they recorded the um, background vocals at the same time. Well, that's I so I tried to read more about that. I couldn't get enough information, but yeah, I did read a, read a few things that said that they recorded like three guys, three mics, and did it all huh. like like now not when they were playing. So they like did all the tracking and then they did the, did the vocals okay. separately, but together they did them. So if you notice, like if you listen in headphones, it is always like. You know, I don't know who's who, but it's like Pat's over here and Matt's over here or something. Okay. If there's if they're both singing and and I I kind of like um I like how sort of unplanned it goes because I think it's so much harder to do background vocals that are like these kind of background vocals where they're not always just right on top of it. Sometimes they're singing like an alternate line or like in tired of sex that they're doing the like, so tired, you know, it's like, yeah, they're kind of, it's call and answer and things like that. Um, and I think that works kind of well, maybe in the same room. Um, it's just hard because everyone's got to do their spot. But if you listen to headphones, there's some background vocals that are not good. <laughs> like they're like not objectively good. Like, you know, you can like that note is not good or that like there's, there's bad guitar parts all over this thing where they mess up and they just, uh, that adds to, to the charm sometimes of it. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's like almost, it's barely controlled chaos. That's the best way to describe it. It's, it's, which is why it's almost shocking to me that it took five weeks to record this because it sounds like they might. I mean, <laughs> and this is not me. Do- I, I would keep in mind. I love this album, but it sounds like they recorded it in one day. Like, yeah. it. Like if you told me that they had gone in, stu- in studio for three days, I would believe it. Like I would believe that they literally recorded the whole thing. Maybe even with the vocals live with the tracks. There's barely overdubs on this thing. You can tell none of it's on a click. Like it is, um, but. You know, there's a balance there, I think, that you can strike. I think they struck it with blue. I think that they, like, yeah. 
they found that balance. And this one, they're they're straying a little too far to the underproduced side for my take. But like the songs are so good, I'm like, whatever, it's fine. I'll deal with it. Um, did you have anything else to add, Kyle? Well, I, I was like just gonna say track. I actually really like the I really like the um the background vocal in the verse much more than I like it in the chorus. But I but I I like the little yeah background part. So and I just wonder who. I assume it's like Rivers going like we're doing that again or we're not doing that again. I mean, it's them. Like, there's an engineer there, obviously, but um, that poor engineer. But, but they don't care that what he poor says. Poor engineer. Yeah, I'm just like I can't. You know, there's no way they're like. That's what's funny is like everything else that came out of Sound City had this like. It's a vibey studio for sure. Like I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but that documentary, if you get a chance to watch it, that Dave Grohl produced, it's great. It's all about the history of it and all the just like incredible albums that got cut there. And it really had this kind of dingy, weird, it had a vibe like this record. Like it was like old furniture in there. And it was just kind of like a room that for some reason sounded really good for drums, but like there was no sign. Like it wasn't like design. It's not a million dollar design or something like that. It's like literally this square room that somehow sounds amazing. And that's why everyone did drums there, uh, in, in the mid to late nineties. And, um, so just had the, it basically had a vibe to it. And I feel like, yeah, that's there, but you know, it'd be nice to have a little bit more like let's dial in a guitar sound a little bit more, um, or try that one more time, but you should sing that on key right you know something like that (laughs) so um anyway let's go to track three no other one Kyle, what are your thoughts on no other one? It freaking rocks. Uh, you can headbang to this one. Also, there's like a moment in that verse that you just played. There's a single moment where it's like, oh, yeah, this guitar part's kind of emo. And then it's like, no, I'm going to play five other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do think they, I do think this is a good example of, which is why I kind of picked that clip of the kind of single note thing going on yeah it does feel a little bit more it's kind of like a counter melody to what's going on in the verse um and i feel like that's that's why i was always so so confused because like this feels closer to grunge and rock than it does to emo for me because i think so much of the the emo thing had a lot of like well some people brought in more like cleaner arpeggiated dueling guitars like american football and even jimmy world and some of these like and i think of that thing at Sunday Day Real Estate, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, and this has a little, the dueling guitar thing for sure, but they were already doing that on Blue. You know, like Blue yeah. already yeah. had the stuff too, where it's like they're they're kind of playing off each other or like one guy's doing it. Like, you know, no one's, they're not both playing the power chords generally at the same time. It's like someone's doing open stuff and someone's doing, um, so yeah, I that I don't understand. I think it's just lyrics for me that makes sense to call this an emo album, but I don't understand. I get, once again, I, it's hard for me to define emo. Well, Blake, but. you can you can tell me this because you know you're a professional at this. Because I know it, how to play it, these songs. In that verse, 
like from that picking part does after that happens does, is the same thing played once oh that's that's the other thing once. i don't think that on this whole album that's an interesting thing about learning this so we've done a couple shows where we did like the whole blue album and then the whole pinkerton album back like the whole thing front to back at these tweezer shows that we do our weezer cover band and these songs are really really hard to learn they're not complicated but they don't ever repeat they always do something weird it's always like oh and then there's a half a measure here or then it's like oh this is in they they change time signatures i think a couple times there's definitely key changes all over this place and it it, like with no reason (laughs) yeah that clip you played had that little guitar swelling thing that's what I mean. Like in yeah, that clip, just, just it, right it, there, just there was no like five different parts. <laughs> yeah. And they never play it again on the rest yeah. of the song. Yeah. They do a lot of that. They'll like, and it's almost like in some ways I like that he, he's throwing away some of the formula stuff of like, here's how you write a song, which he was already good at on the blue album too. Like there's, there's the structure of those songs is also weird sometimes, but they tend to at least like, Oh, the verse is the same as the next verse. This one is not necessarily the case. And so, um, yeah, they're actually kind of hard to learn sometimes. Like on, on some of these songs, when we play the ones that we don't play as much, like, you know, tired of sex is in the rotation every time we play, by the way, we play like once a year. So it's not, don't, don't get us wrong. We're not super awesome or anything, but, um, but like, you know, this song and, uh, like getting into like, especially falling for you, that song is so hard. I literally have to have the chart in front of me with like, okay. And then it goes to E and then it goes, I mean, it's like, without the chords and the lyrics, I would be lost because you basically just have to follow it exactly. Uh, and there's quite a few songs like that on here. There's a couple really straightforward ones like El Scorcho is pretty straightforward. Um, and that might be it, honestly. So uh, yeah, you're not wrong. It's It's got some weird stuff. And it's kind of a cool, slow 6-8 vibe on this song that I like. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on No Other One? I I love this song. Um, it, it, I don't understand I don't get how he does this trick, but whenever you hear a good Weezer song, the melody always feels like you've heard it before. Yeah. Like it's got this quality to it. It's almost like a lullaby. Um, and I, I've always loved the melody on this song. Um, it This song is like, this song is so big and so small at the exact same time. Um, and th- there's a madness <laughs> to it <laughs> that, that, that makes it have that quality where you're almost like, were you guys accidentally brilliant or, or just like when it comes to the production, and everything, a lot of the themes we've talked about, I don't think any producer would come in, hear the song, hear these parts and decide to make it sound this way. Um, but especially like the bridge and stuff, like the bridge yeah. is kind of out of left field on this one, but yes. it works, but I it think does. you're right. Someone would have pushed back on it. So that's where now, not any, now you got to find the right producer. You don't want someone that's just trying to make you something you're not, but like rivers obviously has pop tendencies. He's written really good pop songs. Yes. He knows what he's doing. And I don't want to get too deep, but I just want to say like, isn't it kind of beautiful that we have this piece of music because of all those choices that were made? Cause this song doesn't exist. Like if, if if you do like the Rick and Morty thing and talk about like, you know, parallel universes, I don't think this song exists like this very many times. I mean, it's a very special, um, uh, uh, in all the songs on this record, but this one is, uh, you know, most notably right away. Cause it's like you said, it's got that kind of swooping six, eight feel, but it's also still big, loud, grungy guitars. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's, um, it's interesting how we're getting, 
I feel like we are getting, um, like lyrically, and I'm not the big lyric guy. I'm really not. Like I don't, I care about songs and melodies before lyrics. He could be singing nonsensical stuff over this, <laughs> and I'd still like this album. But the lyrics do add a layer of like something I do really like um, because I think they're pretty good. Uh, but we do, I do feel like we are, we're starting off kind of like tongue in cheek, tired of sex. I feel like it, it, the grunge, uh, the dirt on it could not fit on the blue album, but lyrically it could, it could maybe work. You know, it's kind of like, it's an interesting twist on like everyone else is talking about sex and he's like, I'm tired of it. Um, and then I feel like by this one, we're getting a little bit darker, like a little bit, but we're not quite into like, and then it just gets like, I feel like it just gets a little bit more like He's getting more and more depressed, I think, as he's writing this album. I think it's pretty clear. You know what I mean? Like, maybe getting a little more crazy. And we're not quite there yet. I feel like we're still like, oh, this is kind of a, this could be a sweet song, you know? Um, and But I feel like we're just, we're, we're going down a rabbit hole kind of thing as, as we get further into the record. And I have to say one last thing. The all of the drugs she does scare me real good. She's got a tattoo and two pet, that makes me. And two pet snakes. Yeah, that, that part, I always miss Matt. And the falsetto thing. Yep, he's really good at that. And and yeah, so sweet. Post, post this with Matt leaving. Uh, we don't quite have that. Although I do really like their bassist that's uh, in the band now. And it's has just been a for different. A long time. It's just a just different, a different thing yeah, for sure. Yeah. Different thing. I think he's actually a way better bass player. The new guy. Why I just draw a blank on his name? Um, I'm now a bad Weezer fan for forgetting. I can remember the Green album. Bass Mikey. player's name, Mikey. Yeah, it's Mike not him. It's the, I, like, I literally cannot think of it. Anyway. Um, okay, well, let's go to track four, which is Why Bother? Chris Monier, what are your thoughts on Why Bother? Wait, we got to play again. I miss playing these songs with you, man. Yeah, we do need to <laughs> play again. Uh, we should like make it German. happen. I've got an idea uh, of a place, actually, so I think we should uh, we should do one this year for sure. Great now build-up. Now that shows are back. Yes, yes. So great build-up. Uh, the guitar stops on the chorus. The tight, the, well, it's not, nothing's tight on this record, but, you know, the bam, 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 yeah. bam. Um, I, I, I just love it. And I wrote this note. I I don't even know how to explain what I'm trying to say. Like the drums just really aren't doing what they should be in this song. Like when if you're if you're doing the methodical approach of the blue album, like that you wouldn't do that. Like you would stick with your with your rhythm section. Um, and it's just sloppy and amazing. The bass and guitar solo playing together, really nice. Um, and one of the most amazing Weezer buildups. Uh, in the very last verse, there's the the, the classic Weezer buildup. Like it, this it gets institutionalized on this record. All the best ones, yes, beside, I agree. With the exception of Undone, and, and we're talking about yeah. the eighth note. Yeah, everything's dun, playing dun, the eighth. Dun 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 dun. Yeah. it's three. It's two hands doing it on probably ride snare or hat and snare, and then the kick doing it too. And you're right, it is the Weezer beat. Yes, and one one more thing I have to say that I love that uh, Matt did 
not Matt, um, Pat does on this song is he's like, okay, I'm going to do a fill before each chorus, but it's going to be a different one. It's, it's going to be a different one every time. <laughs> and they're not complicated, but it's just like, nope, I'm not going to do the one from before. I'm doing a different one. But remembering, <laughs> yeah, when you're playing these songs live, for me, and obviously I'm not in Weezer, I imagine they're used to these songs, but some of these, I'm like, maybe you do forget. Like, wait, what do I, what do I play here? Obviously, they can do whatever they want. Uh, but yeah, in that, that last chorus is is complicated. Um, the chords change, uh, the whole chord progression changes, but I, I love it. I love the call and answer thing. Why bother? Why bother? Uh, it's great. I mean, this is one of my favorite songs. Uh, I just, I think it's, so good and i i and again we're getting into more of like why do girls not like me and it's it it feels more real because you know it's like he's the older guy at harvard that probably it's like funny enough like he's maybe the unpopular kid because he's like because he's older than everyone he's probably kind of weird i mean you know i assume although all these kids are probably weird at harvard a little bit you know they're all smarter than they can maybe function socially (laughs) in some situations but um, yeah, we start getting more of the lyrics there. I mean, I just, I love the last verse. It's a crying shame. I'm all alone. Not with you, not with her, nor anyone. Won't you knock me on my head? Crack it open. Let me out of here. I just, I don't know. I love it. I love the way he sings. I love his vocals. Like the performance he gives on this are, is so good. And I just wish it was a little louder. I just want to be like, Rivers, you're the lead singer. We like the vocals. Uh, but I know he was again, and probably in that mix session going, turn them down, turn them down. And eventually got to the point where they were, a little under the mix. Sometimes the background vocals are louder than the lead vocal on this album, which makes no sense to me. But Kyle, what are your thoughts on why bother? Uh, I don't think I have much to add. Uh, I, I really love it. Uh, one of my favorite choruses on this record. And also I really like, uh, the, the buildup on this song. I, I like how, um, it's like, the guitar starts it and then, and then the bass takes it. And, uh, it's just, they, they sound, it sounds fun. Like they're having a yes. good time, you know, you're right. The bridge so. feels so fun. Like I love, it goes from that high thing on the bass uh-huh. coming in real low rumbly. And then that drum fill is awesome going into that last verse. Yep. It's amazing. Rock. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Pat's really going for it on this one. And, and I, and I like that. I'm not opposed to it. Uh, okay, so these so that was the first four tracks that are recorded in New York at the same studio that they did Blue. And then we move into track five, uh, which is Across the Sea, and that is where we're in Sound City. So here we go, Across the Sea. I'm pretty sure that snare drum is six decibels louder than the lead vocal <laughs> on this track. <laughs> it's a great example of like, I like the snare drum. I would like it to be a little bit under where the lead vocal is, but maybe that's me being picky. So, you know, probably more than any other song on this album, this one's the one that's going to get them the label of all the ist. Oh, you're sexist. You're racist. You're blah, 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 blah. Um, so I do want to talk about that. Let's first just talk about our feelings of, 
the song. So Kyle, what are your thoughts on Across the Sea? Um, I like the song and I really like the the clip that you played there where they're building to the last chorus. Uh I actually think vocally it's the closest thing to what I was used to with blue. You know what I mean? Like the high harmony and um blue with the blue album, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um it it, it sounds it sounds really Weezer in that moment. Um, but yeah, I, I, I dig it. The song is kind of crazy. Um, it's real crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, I still like it. Chris thoughts. Uh, Kyle wrapped it up really nice. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I also think it's really fun that there's a little snaps that intro to the song. I like the snaps. Yep. Um, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's that, wrong notes. Wrong notes. Oh I, yeah, that's it. Yes, that's not, that's yeah. good life. Not across yeah, good the scene. life. Apologies. Yeah. Apologies. Um, the okay. So the 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 notes I had on this song are that the guitar solo doesn't seem to stop. <laughs> like <laughs> it just doesn't. It just keeps going, and I, I absolutely love it. Um, and then you know, aside from the stuff Kyle talked about, uh, the shave my head and uh, try to be a monk. I, that line always sticks out to me. The delivery is perfect, very genuine. Um, this song is obviously very honest, so yeah. I can so assume, let, yeah. So let's talk about. It. I love the song. I think it's a great song. I've always really liked it. It never, it never made me. I don't know. So now, so obviously, everyone's now judged by what is passable today even right. though it happened you know 25 years ago and so you're judged through that lens which I think is ridiculous obviously because but anyway he even before this album came out was like hey you know cuz I think there was some like buzz around hey the lyrics are not about surfing and stuff yeah <laughs> and um they are not and so he kind of like apologized up front, like, hey, like, I think there's some stuff that like I'm being really honest about and I wish I could find that quote. I'll try to put it in the show notes. But you know, he's like, I'm being really honest. I I don't want to offend anyone. So like I apologize if you know, so it was kind of like a hey, I don't want but oh, like just know that I'm like to doing the fan what, club, right? Yeah, I think he, it was like, to the fan club. Letting, he was like pre warning him like, Hey, it's a little crazy, yeah, but it's I just, just a little I'm bit just being Yeah, honest. but I'm just being honest about the feelings I was going through at the time and I'm trying to like say exactly what I was feeling instead of trying to be like, Oh, I can't say that for some reason. And I thought it was a good way to preface it. And I think it's you know, I think it's ridiculous to judge any art based on if it's acceptable or not, as far as like being polite or whatever. That's just my personal opinion. I just think it's, I think it's silly. We don't ever, we don't ever go see a movie with like a really terrible character in it and, and say that the writer is, I don't know, sexist, racist, whatever the character was. Does that make sense? And so I don't understand like when someone's being honest in a song, what makes it that much different, but or, or like take someone like, you know, that's just talking about their depression or something or being suicidal or something like that. Obviously that would be terrible. You know, killing yourself is not a good thing, but if someone's writing a song about it, I wouldn't call them. Does that make sense? Like you don't get called out like that, but for some reason, if you're like, you write about anything slightly taboo, which obviously it is a little taboo, but like, I think the, the, obviously the story behind this is that he gets a letter from this Japanese fan and he has some really weird connection to it, to the sense that like he obviously feels like this is like the only person that knows him somehow, even though it's like this Japanese girl or whatever that he's never gonna meet. 
He gives her songwriting royalties, by the way, for this, because he like lifts straight up lines from her letter. That opening line is like word for word from that's why it's in like broken English, because like it's word for word from the letter. So she gets songwriting royalties. So they've never no met. No way. Cause he, I, and I confirmed that too, by the way, in an interview with him. That's know, insane. Because people were like, do you think she knows and stuff? And, and there was some interview where he was like, yeah, she knows because like she gets royalties for like, I wrote her, I put her as a songwriter or whatever on it. I don't know how much of a percentage, but like at a million sales, even if it was 1% of the songwriting, that'd be 10 grand ish, you know? So, um, anyway, not nothing. So anyway, everyone says it's racist and sexist. And I'm like, I don't know. I read one thing that was like, oh, like using the broken English is racist. I'm like, he used her exact words from the letter and yeah, then gave her songwriting pre- royalties. It doesn't for feel it. pejorative, you no. know. And 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 also, they always talk about the creepy verse where, it, like, I wonder if you touch yourself and stuff like that. And you know, yeah, that's a little creepy. It's an 18 year old girl, maybe. You know, we don't really know. I mean, that's what he says in the song. I think probably to cover <laughs> cover his ass. But, uh, but you know, it's like it, it, the whole chorus, literally, he repeats over and over again, like, I could never touch you. I think it'd be wrong. Yeah, like, right, right. So why is it creepy then? He's literally just saying, like, he feels a connection with this person and, like, your letter meant a lot to me just like my song means a lot to you. Like, I think it's beautiful. Like, I don't understand why people want to get on their little soapboxes and complain about like i don't know and just try like i don't know i think it's a sweet song i mean yeah there's some stuff that kind of makes me go ooh, like that's yeah maybe something you think but don't say but at the same time like i said over again in the chorus he says you know i could never touch you i think it'd be wrong like uh and it's in the chorus it gets repeated so i i just don't understand i think that I, that's why i like it because i picture like him in this kind of worst spot in this letter maybe yeah. kind of brings him out of it a little bit and i think that's an interesting um I've never heard another song like that, especially about like a fan, you yeah. know? Um, anyway, what are you guys thoughts on people now calling rivers, whatever, racist, sexist, what creeper, you know, whatever the things are. I'm not saying he's not weird. He's a weird guy, obviously. Duh. Yeah. But um, did it ever bother you? <laughs> like it bothers apparently some of these people. Like, I guess, like I said, I don't see it as being pejorative. So I'm like, I, I don't I definitely don't view it as racism. I, I like like you said, he's quoting this letter. Um, and also, I kind of got the same vibe on it. Like he's acknowledging, hey, this couldn't this couldn't work out or I would never I would never do this. Um, and also admitting this connection. And so like creepy. Yeah. Um, but but like I don't get vibes that. I don't get vibes that he's doing anything wrong. Just he's just being weird. Yeah. Also, she wrote him the letter. Like it's like you know, like she whoa, initiated whoa. the contact too. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like he was like I watched this girl at the park. I don't know. Like yeah. it's like that's a different thing. Well, I guess. At and that also, point. also, I guess, I, I guess I'm a little bit desensitized because of the fact that like because of why? Yeah, he's well, yeah, maybe, <laughs> but because I mean, I guess. So, like, you're saying he may have been covering himself, but it, as long as we can believe what he's saying about her being 18, um, you know, I don't like the idea of some older dude being with an 18-year-old girl, but uh, but also, uh, you know, it it's, it's better than a lot of 
disgusting things I've heard real people say in real life. You know what I mean? Fair point. So, um, and and I don't, I'm not defending those things either or anything that he might be being creepy about. It's just, I don't take it as, I don't, I guess I don't take offense to it because one, he says I could never touch you. Right. And the other is like, um, I guess I believe him when he's singing that. And so I've just heard, I've heard so much worse in, in real life and people tell disgusting jokes that are so much worse than that. Um, I, I feel like he's just telling us a story and, and sharing how he feels. So yeah. Also get off with like every rapper in the world has said something worse than anything that happens <laughs> in the song. You know what I mean? Not every rapper. That's not fair. A lot of them though. And we don't ever get to hear about them being Biz misogynist. Marky. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry. There's a, there's a handful. You're right. But you know what I mean? It's like, we don't ever hear that they're misogynist. It's like, it's just weird to me how it's like fully acceptable in, and, or even like, even just like the the like excess of the '80s music that was there of like you know oh, yeah. girls and cars and stuff like that, and it was like I don't know. It just feels weird that like we you get this really honest song and then people crap on it. And it, well, and I think that's why I think the reason they do is because it's it makes us feel awkward that he's being honest. Yeah, and maybe that's you what know it is. what I mean. And so it's like, oh, dude, you're making me feel weird. Stop. But that's to me what takes the power away from the bad people is he's not trying to be you know controversial like he's it's just brutal honest yeah Um, totally and not only that but it i don't know it 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 just never hit me that way me Um, neither uh, no and the fact and if you know anything about his songwriting style and you know anything about him it just see it, it just fits perfectly with his personality oh let me like I could totally be I could totally see hanging out at the party and, and like you know with the four of us like us three and Rivers and like we all like share like a funny story about something that happened like at a fast food restaurant. It's like oh let me tell you guys a funny story and, and you're and we'd all be like oh that's actually super awkward. Well, <laughs> 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 and another thing that I think is interesting is like with the whole obviously most of the people that are going to complain about this probably didn't look into I doubt it any yes. of this stuff, but like if he's basing the whole album on this opera and he's the character that's the antagonist in it, the bad guy, like he's admitting with the title of the album that like, I'm the bad guy. Like these are not like, okay things like, but it's, it's how I feel right now. And it sucks, you know? Um, and so to have that perspective of it too, is you kind of, you have to look at that as a whole. And, and I think even without that, like I said, it didn't bother me. I didn't know that forever. I didn't know that till maybe, 10 years ago or something like that about, I was like, what the heck is Pinkerton? <laughs> like, I was like, wait, why is oh, it? Right, right. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know. Um, and so I don't know. It, anyway, that's kind of the first one There we'll obviously get to some other ones where the, the, he gets in trouble with people for it, but I think it's a sweet song. I think it's, um, um, it's sad that like some letter from someone he never met, like meant enough, you know, does that make sense? Like he was in that dark of a spot where that yeah. means that much. Well, that's, that's, I, I, that's, yeah. sorry. That, that's what I was going to say. It's like, I kind of see this as like a, you know, uh, I'm going to mess up the phrase, but like the ships crossing, passing and never like, ships they in never the night. Met up. yeah. Ships in the night. Like, yeah. Because, because, he's basically saying like, this was so important to me and my music is so important to you and this is never going to work, but at least I have this letter that you wrote me and you've got this song. Like that's kind of sweet. It is sweet. 
I think. So. Like they they were it was mutually beneficial. Like the the letter meant a lot to him. The songs mean a lot to her. Yeah. That's why she wrote the letter in the first place. So I like it. I'm with you. I It's I not think conventional. It's, no, it's definitely not <laughs> conventional. Not at all. Um it's uh and also it's a really cool song. Like I I like the song in general. Uh take the lyrics away and everything, but the lyrics just really really lock it in for me. So um okay, let's go to the good life. I ain't gonna hurt nobody, ain't gonna cause a scene Just need to admit that I want sugar in my tea Hear me, hear me, I want sugar in my tea and I don't wanna be an old man anymore Spinning you up to since I was out on the floor Chicken booty making sweet love all the night This time I got back to the good life Let's go to you first. The good life. What are your thoughts? I like the snaps. Yeah, now we like the snaps. <laughs> Ooh, you don't say. <laughs> they are good. It's a great intro. Like, I really, they have a yes. lot of really good song intros on this album. I feel like and snaps are a good way to do it for sure. They, they do a lot of song, a lot of songs uh, that start off with just crazy feedback and, you know, you, you couldn't recognize one over the other. Um, but yes. Um, don't want to be an old man anymore that one gets more real to me as i get older by the mm. way guys that's uh because you know when we first started this we were little babies and so i was like oh yeah we're never gonna be old um uh but yeah at the uh also there's a a, a little stanza where screw the screw this crap i've had it um, i love it yeah i've had it again yes, Matt. i know yeah. that, that oh, another place i just wanted to say where i go oh matt man i miss you although it, it's kind of cool that that Weezer like style is like frozen in time like it just it just stopped there like it didn't get overused or like right because like how, he couldn't have done that on the green album no no and it would have you know what I mean it really would have played out like yeah yeah so um okay so well this may be Kyle go ahead and tell us your thoughts on on the good life and then uh I've got a question for y'all uh, I absolutely love the hook on this song. I love the intro guitar part. Uh, one of my favorite things about it is in the chorus, he's talking about, uh, you know, I don't want to be an old man anymore. But like, if you if you read the lyrics to this song, it sounds like a guy who doesn't have the the current words to describe things you know what i mean yeah, like he sounds out of touch he yeah, sounds yeah. out of touch which i think and is on purpose yes i do too and I, and I i love that like the uh, let's see tell me who's that funky dude yeah and like <laughs> shaking booty making yeah. sweet love like right yeah dude you sound like an old man and this song is a, it's it's meta you know yep. he's really good at that he does that throughout his songwriting, I feel like, I feel like he's, there's tons of Weezer songs where it's like just enough off where it, it like, um, uh, pork and beans is another one. That's kind of like that. Oh yeah. And, um, I mean, he's got a bunch of them. They're like that. I love, um, <laughs> what is the, uh, uh, troublemakers. Another really good one. The, a rare good one from that red album that I actually do really oh. like freaking love that song but that song is fantastic and so is the everybody get dangerous and like talking about his kid coming to him asking if we can play with these new ninja swords (laughs) (laughs) like i love those are those quirky lyrics where i'm just like this is like you're the only guy that gets away with this being the lyric in the song 
and he, and he does know, it so well. It's almost unfair. I mean, hear me, hear me. I want sugar in my tea. Like if you, if, if my guitar player wrote that down, I was like, here's the lyrics. I think I'd be like, that's not great. No, that's <laughs> not <laughs> it. But he pulls it off. It's perfect. Yeah, he really does sell it in the perfect way. Something about the way he sings, they, well, I think because they are pretty genuine. Like, he's not trying to, like, I don't know. He's trying to be ironic in some way. No, I think Being it's great. Being genuine is so freaking hard, though. Like, for it to is. actually get it from your brain onto, you know, the tapes or whatever in the studio, Electric Lady or wherever they are at this point in the record, like, that's almost impossible for the layman. He does it so effortlessly. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there any reason this song should not have been a, ma- a monster hit, as big of a hit as any of the songs from Blue Album? Like, it's a great song. It's got a great chorus with a video. I don't see how this this doesn't go platinum immediately. Right? Like, this is it's a, a great, party song. It's a party song. It's a great song, and it, and people like it, and it's it's relatable in the sense that like people like. People like to sing about that kind of thing, which is why people like to sing the sweater song at the top right. of their lungs too. It's like people enjoy singing along to these songs. Um, yeah, I think that I think literally this album, as is, with just like, hey, can we do a video, a Spike Jones video for Good Life? Like, I don't see how it's not as I don't see how that's not a hit. I really I don't. It it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I get why some of the rest of this record is kind of you know, maybe you don't have three singles from it. Like, I mean, they had three or four from blue album. So maybe that doesn't happen, but, um, you know, and that's not crazy though, for a sophomore album, just to have one big hit. It happens all the time, the sophomore slump, but you get one good single out of it. No doubt comes to mind. I think their follow up, like their record, it was, it wasn't commercially like Saturn, Saturn or Saturn. But yeah, Yeah, no, yeah. I had one, it had one or two songs on it. Yeah, yeah. I think that were, were hits. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I just think it's a great song. I don't know why um, third verse is so good. It should have been, just should have been a hit. Um, it it This is one of those songs where I'm just like, more people should know this exists, and they don't because I've looked at the Spotify plays. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? It's like, <laughs> freaking it's Beverly not, Hills, isn't it? Uh, well, okay, so let's talk about Spotify plays. So the uh, this one has more than some of the, it has 17 million, and some most of the rest thing is hovering like five, seven, eight, something like that. El Scorcho has 25 million. But like that's half of what, um, like their Africa cover has sixty one million. You know what I mean? Ah, so boo. it's like and, and and Island in the Sun is like two hundred million or something. I mean, it's like it's insane to have that many plays when your album had been out for fifteen years before Spotify was a thing. Is not a thing, but you know at least popular. Um, so you know it's not the hit, but I mean, so I mean it does get more plays than it's in the top three on on the album, but. I just think it's so good. I think that they should have been monster hits. Uh, this is a good time to bring up. Um, I, I don't know why it's a good time to bring up. I just want to the the Saturday Night Live skit about Weezer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great skit. I, I I wanted to get that T-shirt they made. I just oh I, my I, gosh, it's so funny. So um, I I when they when that skit happened, I was like, I am every person in this skit somehow at the same time. Like I feel like I am simultaneously defending the first two albums as being kind of perfect, but then also defending some of the new stuff. I'm also the person that's like, Hey guys, remember yellow card? (laughs) (laughs) I'm everyone in the skit. I am literally every single person in it. And I just think of it all the time when, cause this is, that is the argument with Weezer. It's almost like, 
even I admit when they like put out a crap sandwich because they've put out some serious crap sandwiches since then. Yeah. But the, I, I am also the guy that's been like, they've also put out some really good stuff that people like to crap on just because it's fun to crap on bands like that are still doing it, you know, 30 years later, sometimes just because you can. Um, so I just I thought it was an interesting point to bring up. Cause like I said, I think this could have been as big of a hit as anything from, from blue. Um, and, or as big as some of the stuff that's come since then. Like I said, Island in the Sun is a huge hit for them. Hash Pipe's a huge hit. Like, you know, Green Album was very, like, the opposite of this as far as not just production and, you know, it just being a straight pop record, guitar solo follows the melody. It's all super formulaic. But it was also huge for them. They, you know, it was like a big record and it had a lot, had singles and, um, you know, this is what you get for not appreciating Pinkerton are, well, it's also what they get for not pushing it. It's a, it's both people are to blame here is what my point is, is that the fans, I feel like not the true fans, the true fans love this album, but you know, the general public maybe like to crap on uh, them. You know, when this album came out now, it's beloved, but it's just interesting to me that like it was so hated on by critics and, alike so okay let's go to track seven a fun one el scorcho i wish i could get my head out of the sand because i think we make a good team and you would keep my fingernails clean but that's just a stupid dream that i won't realize because i can't even look in your eyes without shaking and i ain't faking i'll bring home the turkey if you bring home the bacon Kyle, what are your thoughts on El Scorcho? Uh, this song freaking rocks so hard. Uh, the chorus is like one of the most singable things of all time. Yep. Like with your friends at the top of your lungs. No one has to know how to sing to sing along to this. Nope. And I love that. Um, I mean, I'm like excited talking about it. It just freaking rocks. And also the lyrics to this, every single time I hear like, the craziness of I asked you to go to the Green Day concert. Yeah. You said you never heard of them. How cool is that? And like I laugh and then he's like, So I went to your room and read your diary. And yeah. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> Here's another line where we get called, you know, another song where he's getting called a creep and stuff. But it's honest. Well, it, it is honest. And also like the the like inner conflict in the part that you just uh in the part that you just played. Let's see, uh I wish I could get my head out of the sand because I think we'd make a good team and you'd keep my fingernails nails clean, but that's just a stupid dream. You know, like he's saying these things that he wants and then like kind of screwing it up in a way. And um, man, I, I think this song rocks and I agree with you. Uh, the song before this could have been a big hit. And I know that El Scorcho, like, I guess it was kind of a hit. Yeah, Maybe, it was a single, but, like, but yeah, not. But man, it, it it didn't get as big as it should have, and um, it's just like, this is a song that I want to like crank in a car with my buds. Is this the first time we get double time? Or is this like the Ooh. only time we get double time on a Weezer oh, album? I, I mean, I'm pretty it, sure it may exist somewhere later because they've been very prolific yeah, with the music they yeah. made. But this is the no- the only notable time, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on Good Life? I mean, not Good Life, El Scorcho. I'm reading things wrong. Okay, so I want to tell a very short story about the first time that I really absorbed this song, and it was my dad had 
uh, my dad had a business trip to Oakland um, right after I graduated high school in 2000. And then I figured out that why I was there, a Warp Tour San Francisco was playing. So I bought tickets. And then after I bought tickets, guess what happens? This is when Weezer announced their comeback. And they were going to start by playing a few shows on the Vans Warp Tour. Nice. So I had always wanted to see them live. And I remember, like it's yesterday, like because I was really far back um, and things were really crazy. And I remember when they played this song and I was like, what? is this song it's <laughs> like, so good yeah. the, the ride symbol uh for the pre-chorus yeah. uh, the bell and i absolutely loved it like this was not you know this was before like jt and danny like got me to fall in love with it again but it was kind of I, I was i you know the green album was about to come out and i just remember thinking like i had to figure out what album this song is on this is awesome yeah. um and it's also just uh, like when our our uh tweezer band plays this one i think this is the one that we get the most I mean, Undone is gets nuts, but people love singing along to the song. So to yeah. Kyle's point, it is the most sing-alongable chorus maybe of all time. Yeah, especially it's people so get a few drinks in them. They're yes, definitely singing along. Especially that. Yes. Yeah, this and Undone are, you could basically just put the mic in the, I don't need to do anything uh, on these songs. But I do love singing this song. It is so much fun. And I think his vocal performance on this is like perfect. Like it's raw, like that last chorus where he gets quiet. I mean, not ver- the last verse, you know, that Kyle just uh, said the lyrics to. Uh, I just, I love the character of his voice and then it rises up. Uh, I just, I love it. I think it's, um, it's really good. It's a really good song. It's, it's definitely the simplest song on the whole record as far as like, it is pretty simple. Um, but it's good and it's, yeah, it's a fantastic chorus. So sing-alongable and I love a good sing-along chorus. Uh, and I just, I do love the, I've definitely felt like him in the bridge that I can't talk about it. I've got to sing about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's such a good, <laughs> it's such a great like songwriter dilemma of like, I'm terrible at talking to people. Uh, but here's how I feel in song. I can do it there, but I can't do it elsewhere. It's kind of a weird thing that we're, um, notoriously bad at. <laughs> it's like, Oh, so you can say how you feel in a song, but not in real life. It's like, yes, that's, that's awkward. Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a good song. Uh, it's definitely a, a banger on the album, and definitely one that I remember immediately being like, "Wow, this song is really good." Uh, Chris, it's interesting you brought up your we. Is that the only time you've seen them, or have you seen them more than that? I no no. I definitely saw them many more times. That okay. was that time was very special for obvious reasons. Yeah uh, yeah yeah. Because it was it was their kind of comeback. Because but you know keep in mind like. They just disappeared for five years. Right. At this time, yeah. like it, there could have very well just never been a Weezer album again. Yeah. I mean, it was it was very interesting that they were coming back. And the fact they chose Warp Tour to kind of come back was cool, too. Kyle, have you seen them live? I have. And hey, real quickly, I just want to say none of us have mentioned it. The freaking guitar part on this song is so cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's a hooky, hooky asshole. Yep. <laughs> it's great. Everyone yeah. can play that drum intro. Everyone. Yeah. Bing. Boom, boom, kick. It's like everyone can play it. It's fun to have something like that that everyone and feels it's like they can get up there and do it. Instantly recognizable, even yep. though it's just hitting the different parts of the drums that aren't cymbals. <laughs> I mean, Undone is only slightly more complicated and very similar. You can't not do it, and everyone knows exactly what's coming. It's um, it's fun to have a drum part like that that's not very cool, but it's immediately recognizable. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Anyway, what were you going to say, Kyle, uh, other than that part? Have you oh, seen, yeah. You seen so them? I I have seen them. Um, 
it's been a long time since I've seen them. Uh, I, I saw them like, I don't know. I saw, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I saw them in like the Pinkerton years. I saw them after blue and then I saw them. Oh, you saw them early. Oh yeah. And then I saw them. Um, they played a festival here. I think like, like back in the day, like a 95 X thing. And I saw them then. And then in, I think the most recent time I saw them was touring. Did they come close for Hurley? I don't know. Right? I think they've played a couple of casinos around here. Uh, okay. The last couple of times I've seen. Okay. I've, I've only seen them once. It was on my 19th birthday in 2002. What? That's the only time I've seen them. So where I, did they play? Um, I went down to Dallas and saw oh, okay. them at like some amphitheater. It was them and Dashboard and Sparta. Oh, oh wow. Dang. So it was a pretty what good a show. show. Um, yeah. And my birthday. So that's kind of fun. Uh, but that's it. That's the last time I've seen them. I'd like to go again because my daughters are actually really into Weezer. So it would be a fun one to take my kiddos to actually. Um, but uh, haven't gotten around to it, obviously. Anyway, sidetrack. Uh, let's wait, go. Wait, wait, wait. So, oh, what? so none, of, go, yeah. none of you guys were at Tenacious D, Jimmy Eat World? No. No. I couldn't go for some reason. Great I'm so show. sad. And you know, I like never miss Jimmy Eat World. But for some reason, I don't know why I couldn't go to that. But I couldn't for some reason because I would have. Why would I not be at that show? Yeah. Um, it just hasn't worked out timing wise. Even the times they've come around here and played at like casinos, I'm like out of town or something and I haven't been able to go. Plus I hate the idea of driving to a casino for a short set, but that's why casinos living in smell Oklahoma. Good. Yeah, no, hey. I don't I like to keep my money. <laughs> you can't win if you don't play, dude. Yeah, that is true. Right. You also uh don't lose if you don't play. So House always loses. Everyone knows that. House loses. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's house money. That's what I've heard too. You're right. Okay, so let's. Oh, uh, sorry. Let's talk about this. In El Scorcho, obviously, more lyrics. I guess because he's talking about a Japanese girl again. He's. I mean, he's obviously attracted to Asian women. Half he's married to Japanese. one or half Japanese ones. Anyway, again, it's kind of like, like really, we're gonna make a big deal of him, like calling out that he's like attracted to biracial people. But yeah, I mean, like, is that like what? Why is that wrong? It's like he's literally saying like, oh, you like you do it to me every time as in like, you know, get me. I don't know. I just again, I don't understand why people are so offended. Maybe I am missing something, but um, well, I, f- I could see how it could be problematic if like if maybe he was like a known womanizer or like saying pejorative things about Japanese people or like just uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just just always objectifying them. But I mean, him just saying that that's what he's into doesn't seem wrong to me. It sounds like me with curly headed girls. It's like, clearly I clearly had a style. Like (laughs) I had like three, four girlfriends that had curly brunette hair. Like I clearly have a thing. I've never dated a blonde. Doesn't mean I'm anti blonde. Uh, You know what I mean? It's just like, he likes Japanese girls. That's fine. Is that, (laughs) I don't know. Like, is that a bad thing? Maybe I'm wrong, but it, it seems weird to freak out over, but obviously this is another song. And then we get into the next one, which is another one where, you know, people are <laughs> upset about. So let's talk about Pink Triangle. Here it is. Okay. 
Kyle, what are your thoughts on Pink Triangle? Um, I think that the song rocks. I do think it's weird. I uh, because I'm like, and and also maybe it speaks to this the like I feel like there's a theme here, right? That that he experiences a lot of things in his mind before they come to fruition. You know what I mean? Like he's plotting things out before taking a chance because I can tell you, uh, although I have uh, lesbian friends, there's no chance I could have thought that they were into me. <laughs> right. That you can tell like he's getting <laughs> ahead I would of romanticize- himself all the time. Yes, completely. And so like, I think it's weird in that way because I just think it's such a ridiculous thing for that to happen. Like, oh, I had no idea you were a lesbian. I'm um, sure it does though. You know what I mean? I mean like, does it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's not happened to me specifically, I guess. I but. mean, I, I have, I, I, uh, I have a, uh, uh, a wonderful lesbian friend named Sammy. Sammy, if you're listening, what's up? Um, and there is, no chance I could have ever confused that she liked me more than chicks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just think it's, I, I, I just like that. He like, clearly the lyrics of this are like, he's going like, he just like sees this girl and, and oh, yeah, even totally. just a I slight mean, connection with her. It's fantasy. Probably, it could be a conversation. I mean, it's probably at Harvard for, I mean, I mean, my guess. Would, yeah. She may have just be. said hi to him. Yeah. I mean, literally it might be that where you have a class or something like that. And you're just like, you can tell he's like getting way ahead of himself on, yeah. on this. Um, and I, that's what I like about it is that it's, yeah. it's so, um, like, I don't think he made this up. Like, I don't think he thought like, this would be a funny song. I think this really happened. <laughs> like, you know, I, oh, in no totally, way, I totally think it like, really happened. In, in, yes. And I think that's what I, like, I can see why you'd be offended by this song. If you thought he just like, if you just made it up and it didn't really happen, like, you'd be like, that's pretty trite or something. But yeah. you know, I, I think this really happened. And again, like, People are like, "Oh, how could you ask someone that's you know ask someone to be straight?" I was like, "That's not what he's doing. He's just he's bummed out that she's not, and so she's not going to yeah. be into him. He likes her, and she's obviously not going to like him back, and uh, you know, and he's bummed about it. Like that's okay. It would be it would also be okay if that was just the case with anyone. Like he likes someone, and they're bummed that they don't like him back. This is just for a different reason than it would be yep. of like flat rejection of like oh, I'm just not attracted to you because it, I'm not attracted it's to you. Better than that, right?" Well, yeah, I mean, I guess so. At least it's like I'm not attracted to any of you. <laughs> like I could never be. Yeah, your one. Um, and I think the 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 it's got some really clever lyrics in it too. Like I, I love the I I think the chorus is great. I love the like she would never go with me if I were the last girl on earth. Like I think that's just an in- it's a funny. Like I think it's uh uh it's interesting, and, and I don't think in any way he's trying to change someone. I think I just think think people read way too far into stuff sometimes because I don't I don't get that vibe at all from this um well i think also it goes back to what we were saying just a little bit ago like i don't think he i don't think there's any any proof of him not being a good dude right right yeah like, i think mean, certainly a weird guy i've not weird, seen anything but I'm just that's like, like yeah and so because of that i think i think it's safe to say that we can trust that like he he uh he got the buggy ahead of the horse. He saw someone, thought they were cute, and and like created this false, <laughs> uh, false reality. Story, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he he created this false narrative in which he was going to hook up with this person and marry them, 
right. which is also absurd, right? Right. He's and, literally and that then, far ahead of himself. He's literally right. talking about, I'm going to settle down with this girl. And, and, uh, I feel like there is a much stronger case on all of these things we've talked about so far on this episode for him being maybe a little mentally unstable uh, than anything else, right? Yeah. I think that's totally fair to say that, like, he's not not, thinking normally. And he's probably not reading, like, he clearly does not seem like socially, um, it doesn't seem like that's his bag. You know, like yeah. he's not. Yeah. Social cues are probably not great for him. Like he's clearly kind of a recluse and kind of a, I don't know. It, 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 I don't know him obviously at all. I'm just saying, like judging by the patterns of behavior and the weird stuff. I read a thing one time where, uh, like for meet and greet stuff that they kind of like had to do, but he didn't really want to do. They set up a ping pong table and he'd play ping pong. Like that's like he was like, if I'm gonna like have to meet these people or whatever, like, I need something to, like, do. Like, we're playing ping pong. That Mm. seems like a comfortable social setting for me. But just, like, standing and talking to people, you know, and so, like, they'd be playing ping pong and stuff. Like, I just thought that was so interesting uh, (laughs) that, like, that was in the rider or something. We got to have a ping pong table. (laughs) So Dude, that would be, like, a great way to job interview people when the pandemic's over. Just have a ping pong table set up. Like, hey, so tell me a little about yourself. You're right. I'd probably feel way more comfortable. It's so much less awkward to be doing something with your hands and. Yeah, I think you need. Yeah, you either need uh, some some uh, like uh, food, snacky stuff. You know that helps if you can have like something. Cheese board. Cheese board. You know something like that or ping pong. A a charcuterie board. Yeah, that's a say that word. I don't know. It's too hard. Meat and cheese. That's what I call it. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a, a lot cutting easier. board with snacks on it. Uh, but I do really like the song. It's a great, it's a great song, and it's um, again a fun one to sing. Like it's, uh, I feel like a lot of this album. I mean, that's what I think they do really well, and Rivers does really well at like writing these parts that people want to sing along with. I think that's kind of well, his superpower. In, in the easiest but cool, coolest guitar intro that like anyone can play. Yep. It's well, a, it's a, I do like the, again, another really good intro to a song. Yeah. I really, I mean, a lot of these, I wanted to start at the beginning of the track because a lot of them really have good intros and, and, um, and I really do like the, uh, the, how the two go into each other too. Like um, out of, out of El Scorcho into Pink Triangle is a good transition as well. Um, let's go to Falling For You, track nine. Chris Monier, thoughts on Falling For You? I, I, you know, this this is another big and small song um, where you know, the, the verses are kind of chill, like a little laid back. And then um, the dun-dun-dun-boom, yeah. boom bam 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 um, It's one, another song that's super fun to play. Um, Although very hard. This is the song yes. that like has no repeating. It's a bunch of key changes. 
I just have to chart it out because I'm like, there's just no way I'm going to get this right. Even though I've listened to this song so many times, it's something different about like playing it live for sure. So, uh, no, but it is a good song, it, but it's all over the place. Yeah, you can sing along with it and have fun listening to the song. And but it, and it's got a this is a perfect um, second to last song because it, it, it kind of ties in like all the themes of the album. And it's what did you say? Managed chaos. Uh, barely, barely controlled, controlled chaos. Yes, I think this one just almost gets just a, it's just chaos <laughs> yeah that um, guitar lines going throughout that whole verse it's just kind of like I don't know that it like he'd ever played that before they laid this down almost it's kind of <laughs> like just I'm just gonna keep noodling on this what? I guess and it's in tune It'll figure work. out if it works um but yeah it's a it's a good song and I, I, I agree with you Chris I think it's a good penultimate song second to last that's my fancy word for the day. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on Falling For You? Uh, great song. It rocks. I love the, I love at the end of the chorus, the I do about anything to get the hell out of live. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. maybe <laughs> I would rather settle down with you. I think those are, that's a funny line. And um, yeah, man, I, I, I really dig it. And I, that little solo that to me, I don't know, like the guitar tone on that solo, it, it sounds wheezery, you know, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound so crazy, but, um, I don't know. I, I like this whole record to me, it's weird because I remember listening to the blue album and I remember all of my friends, like we could sing it front to back, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody knew it. And, and what's weird is now I recognize that Pinkerton is way more sing alongable yet. Not everybody knew it, and that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I think that the songs on both the albums are really, really good, but I think that these ones are a, a step above the Blue Album, which is not like, I'm not saying the songs on the Blue Album are not good. I'm just saying that like these are as good, if not a little bit better. Like I think they are really good sing-alongable songs. Um, I'm with you on that one. I agree. Okay, so that brings us to the last track, which is Butterfly. And as we mentioned, you know, obviously Pinkerton, the Butterfly thing, the whole opera, you know, this all makes sense a little bit more uh, for the last track. So here we go. I mean, there are literally chords in there that he kind of misses on the first, you know, and then like moves to it. Uh, but it's sweet. It's like a it's like a nice little raw thing. Chris, what are your thoughts on Butterfly? Yeah, I, I, as long as you don't like really read into the lyrics too much, it's a really sweet song. And then when you start <laughs> diving in, you're like, ah, I wish I just didn't know. I wish I just didn't know. Um, the, the, the word, the, the B word makes an appearance in the song. It just doesn't seem to fit at all. Um that that line, if you're a dog and I'm a, uh, I right, always yeah. said that if line. I'm a dog, then you're. Yeah, that line always stuck out really weird to me, and I and I just don't care for it. Not because of the bad word. I don't care about that. It just like. No, it does feel a little. I, bad. I say bad words field. all the time. What was that? 
said, yeah, you say bad words all the time. <laughs> I do. I'm saying I, I didn't want people to, because sometimes we bleep out the, you that's know, not your hang up. A, a curse word, but it's I, because I want, it's funnier when it's bleeped out. That's way <laughs> totally. more funny. Osborne's 90s. Yeah. All, all I'm saying is like, I feel like that the song didn't need that line, but that's just like me, like off on a tangent. I mean, it, it's a, it's a really sweet song and the perfect way to end the album. And like Blake said, it is so freaking raw his, his his voice is cracking i think in a few parts like it's almost like he was just like i'm gonna play this one time maybe he did maybe he literally was like i'm just gonna give it my best first shot and that and pat you're gonna kind of play the kick drum kind of yes. with me a just, little bit on some parts he's like you see him like looking around like is this okay am i am i doing the kick drum like, yeah, yeah 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 keep it up but i'm following you hold on <laughs> yeah. wait hold on one second okay so that's not normally how this works um kyle what are your thoughts on butterfly Okay, so hear me out on this. I will hear I you out. Go. I I like this song just fine, but I cannot help when I listen to it but think that Rivers had written this song or the these lyrics, and they just had the mics rolling and the guitar player started playing something, and he just he made up the melody and attempted singing it for the first time right then and there and they're like you know what that's good let's keep it uh because it just it, there's something there, there it has this quality of like not quite fitting for me and and i don't mean on the album i just mean like the the lyrics into into the melody and the song and i like it just fine it's it's just it's got an awkward feel for me that's fair I mean, I like so, it. I think it's yeah. a good ending track, and it's um, it does feel like even oh, for a simple acoustic song, there's like like he hangs on that chord for a while <laughs> for like and and and, and yeah. I guess I didn't say that I do. I uh, maybe maybe what I would say is this: I actually really like the lyrics, and I would say I like the lyrics better than I like the song. That's so. fine. That's a that's a fine opinion. I like the song. I don't really have anything specific to say about it. I like it as the ending track. It's not something I'm going to throw on a mixtape necessarily. Um, you know, it's not like, but it, I think it was a interesting way to end the tune, especially or in, in the album when we haven't had anything really anywhere near this style on the full of the first album and this one, you know, as far as everything else is pretty rock and there's not a lot of like lull. And so to have like a little bit of a lull here. And like I said, obviously, the kind of bookend of the Pinkerton butterfly character names and et cetera. Obviously that's what he was going for here. That's the reason it's the last song. It's the reason he wrote it. Um, I don't think there's any, you know, it's obvious that that's what it was all about. So uh, that's why it's the last track. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I think it's a fine decision, but I'm kind of with you. It's not like um, it doesn't rock my face off like the rest of the, the record. So yeah, I think that's a fair point. Okay, so let's talk uh, can about. I say, oh yeah, can I, you can, can I of course. Something? I believe it was Carl that played the percussion in this song. Was it really? I believe so. Yes. Okay, that's I interesting. To make sure I made that note because we were making that joke about Pat, and I remember there was something about this song, so I was looking it up. And yes, I believe, uh, and it was definitely recorded at four a.m. Um, oh, and this it may be one take. I, I'm not. I, I'm having trouble finding that to be. That would not surprise me, but like at it all. Was, it was. It was like. Yeah, so it, it, this one is interesting. Um, just, uh, just wanted to let the let the people out there know. 
So good news is, even though we're almost coming up on two hours, I feel like let's just let's just blow through it. Let's just do this thing, do and it. let's uh, let's. This is just gonna be one episode. Uh, we've now decided that it's like you know, twelve thirty at night. Um, okay, so does it hold up? I mean, again, we ask Obviously. this every time, but I mean, in some ways, it's better than it was when it came out. I guess because everyone hated it when it came out. Is that a fair thing? Is that the first it, time we've done one like this? It holds upper. It's still it holds yes. upper. It keeps going. Uh, does it hold up? I would say a doy. <laughs> it, it, it holds up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that it holds up since everyone had to retract their original reviews and write new ones. That's normally a good sign that like your album aged better than uh, maybe people originally thought it would. Um, so no problem. Do you think it has the same impact? This is kind of my follow-up question to this question, since that question is boring almost on every episode that we do, because we all obviously like the albums. Um, do you think it has the same impact on musicians if it's as commercially successful as the blue album? As I like burp again, whatever that was. No, I don't. I, that's the mystique to it. That's what made it, more interesting and there's just a certain segment of artists that are i i don't i don't think contrarian contrarian is the right word but you know that what i'm talking about like no you're right though something yeah. about an album that if it would have just been so commercially successful i i am 100 percent certain it wouldn't have had the same effect it, it, it i i don't think a guy like jim adkins like goes all in on a record I don't know that everyone I, else likes. I just don't think he does. I just don't think he does. Yes. I think there, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of artists. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it, I don't think it does has the impact it does on bands and their music and lyrics and things like that. And kind of what, cause now it's like literally in everyone's top 10, as far as like emo albums, like you go look at like whatever, all the different lists, like this album is in the top 10 to 20 if they're listing the top 50, 100, whatever the list is, you know, not that those matter. I mean, I'm not saying those are the definitive things, but it's in every one of those lists now. So it's just interesting to me that like to have that big of a, of a flip, because there's so many other albums on that list that were from people that like, you know, were super obscure all the time. They were always obscure. They were very small bands. Uh, You know, Sunny Day Real Estate was not a huge band. They were successful, but like, in American football and these bands, like they weren't Fugazi. They, these weren't huge bands, you know, uh, but like Weezer was a huge band uh, when the blue album was out. And so for their second record to get kind of panned and then all of a sudden it's in like all of these like most influential <laughs> record list. It's just interesting to me, but I, I, I think it doesn't have the same impact if it was commercially successful, which is kind of a weird thing. Cause you don't take away everything else no production value increase nothing just like hey they shot a couple videos had a couple big singles people liked um yeah i think you're right okay is it their best album this one's fun i think kyle what do you what do you think well so i imagine this is probably going to be tougher for you guys because because like i think you guys have dove deeper into these records and probably had more fun playing things yeah than than i have so I will say that I think it's their best one. Chris, but, what are your what are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah. Let's go to you first. 
Uh, I never think about this question in advance because I want it to be pure and unfiltered <laughs> when I answer. Um, but it does have the side effect of me getting all the way to the point where you ask it and not being ready or sure. And I don't, I don't think it's fair to say it's their best record. But like, if you were to chop up like what makes a record great into like five different categories, this would win four out of five, I think, um, for this yeah. band. But they've been so prolific too. A lot of the bands we talk about, they've got maybe five full length records or six. Um, and these guys have made like a thousand albums, so um, it's yeah, definitely... they've got so many albums. And and a lot of them are not that great, like for the whole album, like like they're you know like no song for song. Some um, of them are very bad. Some of them have like two good songs. Some of them don't have two good songs. Because I of think them are but, great. Yeah, because for we like the the main albums for Weezer that like kind of you you kind of stock everything up against are the Blue Album, Pinkerton, the Green Album, Maladroit, and uh, Red Album a little bit. But after that, it starts to get a little hazy, right? And and so. Um, yeah, but I, 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 I feel like Blue just edges out just barely. But they're so different and so beautiful in their own little ways. It's really hard to compare them. That's yeah, a non-answer. For those of you counting, <laughs> they have 16 uh, full-length albums, one of which is the cover album. So even if you take that away, they've got 15 original albums. Um, that's a lot of albums. Like To put it in perspective, Third Eye Blind, who whose album came out the same year, I'm pretty sure, 96 or 97, their first one. I think they only have six. So they have 10 less albums. You know, that's like, <laughs> you know, they they write a lot of music. But I think as I heard Billy Joel once say about Elton John, like just because, like, maybe you shouldn't have so many albums. <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of like, maybe it's good to stop sometimes and really think about, you know, is this good enough to put out kind of thing. Because uh, they've definitely had some freaking stinkers, but I think it's 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 a pretty much a tie for me between Blue and Pinkerton. They're different enough. I think the Pinkerton songs are a little better overall, but the production's worse, and so that's kind of the fifth. If you said four out of five things, it kind of like it doesn't have that production thing that I like, and the controlled chaos is. I enjoy it, but there are still times where I'm just like, why is that snare louder than the vocal? You know what right. I mean? Like, that's just a bad, like, that's not a creative decision or like, a, oh, let's play this live in the room. That's like a, it's a fader. Like, I don't understand, like, who thought that that was what should happen there? And so there's still things about this album like that that drive me crazy. Um, because, but I mean, it's it's endearing now a little bit. Um, and I have a few albums like that that I like, I kind of love. And I don't think you could make this a polished version of this album that works as well. I just don't think you could do it. So, But it would be nice to meet just a little closer to Blue. Just a yep. little bit. I'm not asking it to be green level production or anything that came after that. I'm just like saying, you know, let's spend just a little more time um, on, on some of this stuff. So I would say Ty. I don't think I can pick between those two. I also really like, I mean, I think... They've got out. People think that those are the only two good Weezer albums. You're wrong. Like, actually, I think the Green album's good. It's like it's it is what it is. It's a pop, yep, rock record. It's straightforward. It's got great songs. Uh, your the Red album, despite half of it being trash, like half of it's really good. Um, Maladroit, which is the album that came after Green album, is freaking great and has awesome guitar solos. 
Um, and I really like recently, like I said, that okay human one, I really like, and I really like their white album too. I think those are kind of, Oh, the white album was really good. White album's really good. It has like two songs that I'm like a little less into and the rest of it's fantastic. Um, I really like it. I think they've overall, I wish they would just like in, they instead of releasing two albums that half of each are good, ditch those halves that aren't good and make one record. And if they did that, they'd have like eight albums instead of 15, but they'd all be really good. Yeah. That's kind of my opinion on, on the things that have come since. Okay. Is it their most important album? This is a fun question on this one because of how, it wasn't embraced first and then it became. So Chris, what are your, what are your thoughts? Do you think it matters more than the other albums? No. You think blue album matters more? I think the green album matters. You think the green most. album matters the most? Yes. Ooh, I like this take. Please tell us more. The, the, the whole, the whole second phase of the career is because of the anger and hate he felt about this record. And he quote unquote phoned it in on the green album and made a, unfeeling pop record that he literally was like every guitar solo is going to just be the melody of the verse i hate you i hate all of you and you're gonna love it you're gonna drink it up and it's gonna be great and i so that's my that's my take i like that take actually (laughs) um that's a really that's an interesting take but here's my counterpoint to that does that still make this the most important one because it is kind the catalyst kind of <laughs> for, for rivers chicken, chicken yeah. egg thing? Like, definitely, like yeah, it's kind of a chicken egg thing for sure. Um, that is really interesting, though. I like I like that take, Kyle. What what do you think? Is it their most important one? Uh, no, I say blue is okay. So we're all gonna have a different answer on this. I say yes because I think it inspired so many other bands and it inspired so much music in the vein of this that I think that we got a lot more out of it. That's like, it's kind of intangible though. It's not, it's not like, it's not important to the success of their band for sure. Other than for your point, Chris, to say that like, Oh, well it was the catalyst that created the green album. And then sort of, you're right. The second, the whole, not even second half. I mean, literally the green album is 2001. That's only, that's not oh, even yeah. a decade into it, their career. And I guess were, to me, it's, it's half. You're right. But green album is 20 years old at this point. So, um, yeah, I think, I think we all kind of, but I think we're all right too. I know that sounds really yeah. weird <laughs> Yeah. In, in some way. Like it, it's all correct. Cause like the blue album obviously launches them. This album does not have the success up front, but obviously then gets more critical praise than anything in the long run and becomes the catalyst for doing green and basically everything that comes after it. I do kind of, I am bummed a little bit that we don't get the honesty ever again, really to the level that we get on this album. Um, Although I really like a lot of their stuff, obviously I'm in a Weezer cover band. (laughs) Like we like a lot of Weezer songs, but we don't really get, this level of lyrics, I feel like, after this album. So, kind of no, a bummer. No, he, he he put his whole soul out there, and everybody was just like, we despise it. So, yeah, and I also think... Hide that soul. Yeah. yeah. Keep that in the old... Uh, but it's also interesting to me that then people hated on Green, too. It's like, we're... Like, what what are you happy with? Do you just want them to keep making the Blue album over and over again? I, I, I hate that, too. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I hate when people are like, oh, well, we didn't want you to do Pinkerton, but we also don't want you to do Green. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. why don't you just 
stop giving your opinion. Like, I'm kind of like, what, like, when people just want people to carbon copy the first thing that they liked about a band, it's boring. Um, and it almost never works out. Like, you just can't do that. You can't, it's like lightning in a bottle. You can't do it. I don't know. It's, that's my rant, I guess. Sorry. Um, I just, I hate that people hate on stuff so much. Um, Haters. When it's clearly good. Like, th- like this album did not change. People's opinions about it changed. Or, I, I almost think that they kind of had an attitude about it one way or, I mean, it wasn't successful for, it was their own fault it wasn't successful. But that doesn't have anything to do with the reviews of it. You know, that's not that part. But, uh, okay, what about Desert Island songs? This is going to be fun because it's not <laughs> going to be possible. Uh, Chris, can you pick two or three that you would take on your Desert Island from this album? I mean, it's almost impossible to, to do this. But I, if I had to pick three, I would go, like, really basic and just do um, Tired of Sex, Good Life, El Scorcho. But only because I'm like, okay, I guess... Those. If I got a pick, yeah. <laughs> if I got a pick, uh, Kyle, what about you? Uh, <laughs> he's been so, probably thinking about it for the last two hours. I have, I, I have, like we, ne- so we never talk about this stuff beforehand. But I did tell you guys that I, I like thought I had my list, and then I listened again, and I was like, I don't have my Desert Island list. I'm kind of like Chris, um, and that I don't make it until we get here. But so I'll yours? say. I'll say for sure El Scorcho and The Good Life, but I th- I think no other one just barely cinches it out over Why Bother for me. So. Nice. Okay, let me think. If I have to pick three, my goodness, it is hard. I, I think I'm with you guys on Good Life. That has to be in there for me. So that's going to be on all three of our list. Um. I think my other two are probably why bother in pink triangle, but it's really hard. I might sub pink triangle with across the sea though. That's kind of the hard part for me. Cause I, I really do like that song too. So I think if I have to pick three, I'm probably going why bother good life, pink triangle. Um, Those and are good picks. part of that is yeah. because I also in, in tweezer, the Weezer cover band, like it's, those are really fun to sing live too. It's really, it's really fun to like, like this is in no way a thing where like we are getting any sort of like, Oh, we're cool. Cause we're in a cover. It is like, Hey, we're big Weezer fans too. Let's all sing these songs together. That's Let's kind of party. the atmosphere. It's a party kind of yes. thing. And those ones are, are really fun. Everyone's singing along. It's fun. Um, and, and I, I like that, uh, kind of fun and atmosphere. Uh, for anyone kind of listening, like if you can figure out a way to like at, get that energy into like your, original music like it has probably been our most successful project to date like it has been the most consistently fun the biggest money maker and it's because it's just genuine and we're always having fun and having a good time so that's the energy you have to capture it's a beautiful thing Uh, the funniest thing i gotta i gotta tell this before we wrap this thing up but the funniest thing about being in a weezer cover band for like 20 years now is that for the first literally we started playing in 2003 so weezer is a successful band by 2003 for sure they've got huge hits green album you know they got lots of hits um and every show that we would play basically this started as a thing chris and i were in a real band but we didn't want to blow our local draw on our 
band, but more than once every two or three months. So we only played locally like every two or three months. But if a friend of ours band was coming in town, we would do this tweezer thing so that like we could bring a crowd in for them, but not have to waste like our original music crowd kind of thing. Cause obviously that was how we were like booking tours and stuff. So this is a way that we could like play a show, have fun, give the money to the band that's touring. And that's kind of how it started. And then it kind of, it turned, it morphed into kind of a annual thing we did or whenever for special occasions. Um, but every time for like the first 10 years, some guy would come up to me and be like, man, those songs are so good. You guys should be on the radio. I mean, like some old guy or someone. And like every time. And we were like, y'all rock. And I'm like, guys, That's we're not selling playing- gold. I can hear it. <laughs> we're Weezer Covering. We are playing the hits. Like we are playing. Like these are all, most of them are all singles. Like that's basically what we do is like, we know all of Blue and Pinkerton. And then we know basically almost every single that's come out after that. And, and uh, some deep cuts and stuff too. But like, and every time I have to be like, yeah, no, that we're a cover band. Like these are not our songs. These are, these have been on the radio. <laughs> they are, they're a big band. Uh, they've sold millions of records. Uh, but I mean, it literally, it hasn't happened in a while, but it literally happened for the first 10 years we played as a band. Every single show, someone would be like, you guys are so, <laughs> these songs are so good. You're going to be, uh, you're going to be, you're going to make it. I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> Okay, you thank got you. The I, guess. I eventually just started saying thanks. Um, but uh, an interesting, kind of fun thing. What about Nobody's Perfect? Do we have a song on here that you guys think is uh, uh, bad or you cut off the record? Nope. You don't even feel that way about out. Butterfly or anything, Kyle? No, uh, no, because like. You wouldn't leave it. N- yeah, I'd leave it there. I mean, I, I, I agree with what you said about it. Like, it's a good end. Um, and the things I dislike about it, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to pick out or to, to criticize that song when like, I, I feel like almost every other song on the record is perfect. Yeah. Um, maybe not, maybe not production wise. Right. But like just songwriting freaking awesome songs. So like, and, and again, songwriting, like I actually think the song itself is the is well written so it's just a weird one for me that's all like it, it's it's fine i don't want it to go anywhere chris do you have one that nobody's perfect yeah no i can't, no. I, can't. No. I don't think i do either i wouldn't i wouldn't kick off 10 seconds of this record i don't think well you're uh, kicking about... off 10 percent of the record it's not fair <laughs> yeah yeah uh what about growing out shower either one of Grower... you have one that took a while so for me, this was, um, I think it was Across the Sea, and only because I don't think I got it at first. Like, I don't think I, like, really had, like, listened to the lyrics and really digested them and really understood stood the, and I kind of felt the pain and the the weirdness of it all. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I love, I like that song a lot more now than I did when I first started. I, it, it just didn't have any effect on me the first time I heard it. I was like, oh, this, this song's all right. I think mine might be falling for you. Like I, and it's not like I didn't like it. I just feel like the complexity of it kind of grew on me, especially after trying to learn how to play it. I'm like, Oh, this has got more stuff going on in it than I think I realized. All the parts. Um, yeah. It's got lots of stuff going on. Uh, Kyle, you got, you have one, man. I'm, I'm like, I'm like tempted to say the entire record, but <laughs> nice. the truth is I don't remember disliking it when I first heard it. I just wasn't ready for it. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't have any memory of it not being good. 
I just don't remember loving it until later. I'm actually glad you said that because that, I mean, it's clearly the whole album is a grower, not a shower for a lot of people. Like you're not alone in saying that. So I'm, that's an interesting take. And I think that's probably the best take because it obviously took, you know, all these critics and magazines and even rivers himself, like to go from liking, like being proud of it and then putting it out and then kind of hating it. And then (laughs) going back to being proud of it is interesting. Even from that standpoint, like that he's, he's the guy that wrote it. And in 2001, that quote was brutal. What he said about it. Um, And then to come around eventually and realize that, Oh no, I think I made something good here. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think the only reason it wasn't like that for me is because I, I bought both those albums at the same time, despite having heard the blue album, you know, a bunch with friends and stuff like that. I hadn't owned it. And I feel like because I got them at the same time, it felt more like I was like diving into Weezer. And so they were, it wasn't, there wasn't an expectation of what it needed to be for me when I got it. So I think that's the only reason it was, but I definitely didn't like, I know there was a point where blue album I liked more than Pinkerton and then Pinkerton sort of eclipsed it a little bit. Well, I guess that's it. If you guys don't have anything to add, this is definitely our longest one so far. We did not split it. So we're just going to go for it. Uh, we appreciate you all listening to this really yeah, long one. Here. Let's talk about Weezer for a long time. Uh, if you stuck around for this long, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we'd love it. If you give us reviews or uh, subscribe or tell your friends, or you can hit us up. Uh, uh, at info at finding emo pod or on any of the social medias at, at finding emo pod uh, fun thing. Uh, the guitarist from acceptance commented it on our Instagram post from last uh, episode. Man. And uh, that was cool. Uh, that, we, that like, was it's so awesome. <laughs> it was great. I was like, Oh gosh, I never really actually thought that a band that we talk about might actually listen to this. So um, still love that record and wish it would, would have been more successful, but it was cool to hear from someone that we got a lot of some of the details, right. Uh, even yes. in our theories of why certain songs weren't singles and whatnot. So, uh, it was the handsome theory. I think really, <laughs> no, we I think, no, we definitely <laughs> know. We know for sure they were handsome. Uh, so anyway, that's fun. You can comment just like, uh, and maybe who knows, maybe we can get rivers to comment on this one. Probably not. I bet he's not on Instagram. <laughs> just a <laughs> shot in the dark probably not gonna comment but you can comment and tell us what we got right or wrong about pinkerton and any of the other episodes uh we will gladly chat with you on there other than that we are gonna catch you next time for a a shorter episode sorry 